Hey guys, welcome back to the Matt Burn Podcasts. I know we've been gone for a little while, things happen. I'm on the other side of the planet. Keenest went to Europe, but I'm back. I'm still on the other side of the planet, but I have no episode for you. But first, a message from our sponsors. First up, Line Tax Service, aka Sam the Tax Guy. If you guys didn't know, every single person in the United States must file their tax return or an extension by April 15th, and that's coming up soon. Don't wait till the last minute. Line Tax LLC is a premier tax and accounting firm that works with all types of clients nationwide. You don't have to live in Kansas. You don't have to live where Sam the tax guy lived. You can live anywhere. He helps me with my taxes. I live in California. So how do you prepare your taxes? Do you use uh, TurboTax? Because that's what I used to do. And I wasn't very good at it. And I have a master's degree in finance. Do you wait until the last minute? Because I do. I always wait till the very last day. Do you understand what's going on in your own business? I do, I think. Are you sure your, uh, your accountant is taking advantage of every possible tax strategy? Well, I didn't have an accountant. I was my own accountant for a while. But now that I have Sam the tax guy, I know that I'm getting more money back than I was before. So not every accountant is the same, just like not every black belt in jiu-jitsu is the same. Line Tax Services specialize in personal tax and business strategy, entity management, and consulting to increase your bottom line. Contact them for your first, uh, oh, contact them for a free tax return review and let them know that you heard about it on the Matt Burn Podcast and you will receive 50% off on your initial service. Contact Sam the Tax Guy at www.liontax.net and, yep, that's it, www.liontax.net. And up next, I want to give a quick thank you to our repeating sponsor, Tap Cancer Out. They are now working on a BJJ Open series for the year 2020. They have 21 tournaments. Five of them are going to be sub-only showcases. First one is in Austin. They're visiting 17 cities, including seven new locations. Four of their tournaments are going to be two-day tournaments. And they're going to be working on two separate tours, a tour in the spring and a tour in the fall. So check them out. Give them a follow at Tap Cancer Out. I'm not going to list all 21 uh, tournaments or 17 cities that they're visiting. Um, but you can check them out on Instagram at Tap, uh, at tap Cancer Out. And last but not least, I just want to give a quick shout out to my man JT from Melbourne, Australia. He has a new card game called Jugo. Guys, it is sick. It is super fun. I played with him. I sat down with the man. I played some games. He taught me how to do it. It's super, super, super fun. You can check it out on Instagram at Jugo. Uh, I think it says at Jugo. Yeah. J-I-U-Go. Jugo. Check it out if you want to follow my man at JT Tenacity. He's the creator. He designed every single card on his own. Took him years. It's super well thought out. There's it, it's it's a very very interesting game where you can you can set up a, a sequence of move if you have you have, you know if your cards in your hands and you have like a guard card and you have a sweep card and you have a pass the guard card and then you have an attack card and if you slap those in front of someone they're in they're in trouble you know and there's reversals and there's escapes and there's like different sequences and there's different suits so if you can play a, a bottom sequence or you can do a top sequence or 
it's amazing. It's a super fun game. Check it out. You can, uh, he didn't even pay me for this. I'm just do, I'm just telling you guys because I liked it and it was super cool. And I think you guys will all like it too. So check it out and you can follow them at Jugo on Instagram and that's it. So now my, my guest, my guest, my friends is the famous Eugene Barriman. And you might not know who that is, but you probably know the men that he coaches including Israel Adesanya, the stylebender, and Alexander uh, Volkanovsky, the featherweight UFC featherweight champion, who holds a record of 21 and 1 and 0, which is fucking impressive. Um, and of course, you guys know Israel Adesanya, current middleweight UFC champion. Both of these guys being coached by the man, Eugene Barriman. And Eugene is notorious for not doing public appearances and not doing interviews and not doing podcasts. So this is only his second podcast ever in his life. And he tells us a little bit about his story and how uh, City Kickboxing was a struggling gym for years and years and years, didn't turn a profit. And now they're just blowing up and they have uh, they have six contracted UFC fighters on their roster, including two current UFC world champions. So he is the 2019 MMA coach of the year, Eugene Behrman. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed the podcast. I had a really great time talking to him. It's kind of a long one, but what do you know? What are you going to do? I got time to make up for. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And uh, that's that. Boom. What's up? Matt Burn Podcast episode. I don't even know. I think it's 29. It might be 30. It might be, it's not 28. I don't think. Anyways, I'm here with the MMA coach of the year, right? Ye- right? Is that a, yep. that's an official yep. award that you received for last year? MMA coach of the year for 2019. Eugene. I don't even know your last name. I just know Eugene. Behrman. 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 So it's a Dutch name. It's Dutch. Yeah. You're Dutch. My grandparents are Dutch, and my dad's Dutch. This, uh, sorry about that. That phone's got to go on your pocket. Yeah, if you put that phone on the cords, it creates a creates a bit of static. Cool, Eugene Behrman, the famous head honcho of (laughs) City Kickboxing up here in Auckland, New Zealand. You've got quite the squad. I do have a big uh, squad at the moment. You've built up quite the team. Um, so who we got? Who we got? We have six UFC fighters. Six. Yeah. Damn. If I can. So you got Israel Adesanya, Dan Hooker, Dan Hooker, Alex Volkanovski. Yep. Kai Kara France, Brad Riddell, Shane Young. Shane Young. Shane. Young. The guy that got pelted with the paintballs yesterday. He is. Or two a days ago. <laughs> contracted UFC fighter. He is. I didn't know that. Okay. Cool. Um, He's had a neck injury, so he's been about a year off. So he's he's making his return April. So okay. Six plus a whole host of Glory, PFL, Bellator, whatever. Right. All over. Um. So so, yesterday it wasn't yesterday. It was two days ago. Shane had a. I posted it on my Instagram a oh, little yeah. video. Uh, he was expecting. He's expecting a baby. And you guys <laughs> did the reveal party, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he got pelted with a paintball gun. So, <laughs> yeah. The, the, I don't know whose sick idea that was. It was sick. It was the, I think it was her, his partner's, the one who's having the actual baby. Oh, yeah. And then obviously if the blue paintball or the pink paintball came out, that was what gender the baby was. Yeah. I think it was a, a blue one. Yeah, I saw was, some blue paint on his arm. Which is a boy, so. 
but I heard they stood really close, like almost point blank. <laughs> Which is what they tell you not to do at the right. people games, right? <laughs> right. Don't stand point blank. So. Right. He got pelted. He got probably like 20, just looks like cigar <laughs> burns in his skin, man. It's dripping blood. And he's. <laughs> I'm not going to say that that's a normal part of our culture. <laughs> But I think maybe that's a city kickboxing thing. Yeah. Anything to do with pain. Yeah. You guys are savage. Even with the belt promotions, with the with the with the gauntlet, <laughs> the belt gauntlet. It's yeah. savage, man. Like like you don't hold back on anyone. <laughs> no, Even some of the guys are going kinda easy on some on some of the people going through the gauntlet. <laughs> and you do not hold back at all. I think everybody enjoys it though. Of course. It's, it's a it's a bonding thing. Ain't no one no one's forced to go through it, you know? If someone didn't want to do it, they could not do it. Through all my years of jiu-jitsu, that's been definitely a highlight for me. Getting Giving people promotions. Yeah, that promotion <laughs> that comes twice a year. Yeah. yeah. One in the middle of the year, one at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Did did we whack you when you got your belt? I was no, there when you got your belt. I think, were you there when I got my brown though? No. no. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I was there yeah. for your black belt. You were there for black, so we don't whip the black. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, I got whipped for the brown. Did they, they give? Did they? Did they give to you as hard as they could? They didn't hold back. So so bad. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, fun fact: uh, the belt that you wear is my belt. <laughs> it was my belt. It is your belt now. Fun but, fact: I lost that belt immediately after you gave it to me. <laughs> well, for the record, Andre Gaval promoted you to black belt. For the record, yeah. yes. And it was my belt though that I had to take off because we didn't have enough belts. Which. <laughs> Because yeah, we did a surprise belt, we d- we yeah. like made a last minute decision to to promote someone else to black belt, so we didn't yeah. have enough belts on standby. <clears throat> so I literally took my belt off my hip, and handed it to Andre to get <laughs> to promote you to black belt, and then you lost it. Well, I misplaced it. I and I I put it in my car, inside the dashboard because the glove box and the dashboard they they look the same. Yeah. So you can open my dashboard and you can put stuff in it. So I put the black belt in there. But then I forgot that that was a glove box because it just looks like a dashboard. Right, right. So I left it in there for six months. <laughs> and I assumed that you had picked it up and taken it back. You thought I just pr- we promoted you and I took it back? Well, I thought you had forgot that you had given it to me. And as you do, after every training, you pick up your belt, yeah. chuck it in your bag and leave. Right. And that's what I thought would happen. But then I was cleaning my car and I opened the gl- dash. I, uh, the dash rattled, uh-huh. lifted it up. And there it was. it was. And you're all that time you're thinking I was an asshole. You're like, ah, oh, damn it, Josh. And just y- took his belt, gave me a, gave me his black belt, and then took it back in the same day. Yeah, and I didn't want to hit you up because <laughs> I thought it was a mistake. So I didn't want to hit you up and be like, hey, did you take your black belt back after you gave it to me? Like that's, like, how could I put that into words? I was like, I'll just leave it and buy me another black belt. But that wasn't the no, case. No, man, I'm not an Indian. Well, I don't want to say that. That's a racist term. I can't say that. Uh, what What's the term for someone who gives something and takes it back? Uh, well, I only know the same term. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> you can't say anything inappropriate on this podcast. Otherwise, you're going to get 37 messages <laughs> from people talking shit. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You can say whatever you want. I don't give a fuck. This, this podcast is meant to be as raw as possible. Unfiltered. Uncensored. Cool. All, the, cur- all the cursing po- that you can possibly muster up. And as far as I know, that's... Yeah, that's how you roll. That's how you guys do it around here. Yeah. I know. You guys are absolute savages. Mm. So, give me a little background, Eugene. You used to be a kickboxer, right? Boxer? Kickboxer. No, no, yeah. So, I used to do Thai boxing. Yeah. Muay Thai, Thai boxing, kickboxing. Yeah. Like all of them. And 
I did that in 1999 when I had my first fight. And then about 2004 or 2006, somewhere around there, I had my first MMA fight. And then 2004? Yeah, t- t- maybe 2005. 2004, 2005, t- 2006. That's so one funny. Of those years. That's so funny you name those years because th- those years are m- are my MMA c- years also. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I started Jiu Jitsu yeah. 2003. In December of 2003, I had my first MMA fight. And then my yeah. career basically was 2004, 2005. Yeah. So I did Jiu Jitsu a year before I did um, MMA. Uh-huh. I did Jiu Jitsu for a year. How I got into jujitsu was I watched uh, an old Pride tape, and I can't remember who was fighting. Uh-huh. That's when I first saw MMA, and then I thought to I just I knew I was already fighting stand up, and I thought, man, this looks like way more fun. Yeah, way more fun. <laughs> then I started to look up jujitsu and and like ground grappling. I just started to, and then. I found, uh, I randomly came across a tournament that was at a judo club, a jiu-jitsu tournament, pay $15 to enter. Uh-huh. And so the next day, I paid. M- I just went to the judo club and paid my $15 and entered the grappling tournament. No grappling. I just entered. That night, I watched as many videos as I could on grappling. You had never um, trained? I'd never trained. Okay. <laughs> but I just got this interest from watching this pride fight. Yeah, sure. This all happened within like a two days. Okay. Looked up more about grappling, found a uh, advert for a tournament, went to the tournament the next day, uh, watched, watched some videos like late into the night about what to do. Like, like what s- positions are good. Yeah, side control, guard, like right. some basic positions. Right. And then went and I paid my $15 and entered that tournament and just jumped in. But to be honest... I learned where I learned most was I obviously wasn't the first fight. Yeah. So watching the competitors before me. Right, right. That was, um, I got far more information from that than watching the videos the night before. And then I just basically copied the, there was like three or four matches before my match. Yeah. And I basically copied like, what okay, they did. Grab the legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Double leg. Yeah, pick them up, yeah. drop them. <laughs> Stay low here. Like I just took the obvious things. Yeah. And I thought, um, Mike Sefna, a well-known uh, judoka and a black belt for years. I got to know him later on in life, of course. And he, um, I, I was able to hold my own, but he kicked my ass. Yeah, but you survived. I, I, I survived most of the match. I think he might have tapped me at the end. At the end, but you hung in there. I hung in there just through. Fuck this. yeah. That was my introduction. <laughs> trial, trial by fire. Uh, yeah, 100%. I just jumped in. <laughs> jumped in and gave it a crack. I respect it. I respect it. And then what? Did you think it was fun? So then I knew I couldn't keep doing that. Like that was my introduction. So right. I had to find somewhere to do it. To, learn, I, to learn some proper yeah, jiu-jitsu. Learn some yeah. proper jiu-jitsu. <laughs> and then I knew that my friend who owned a, a Thai boxing gym, Jason Suddy, had a Brazilian uh, black belt taking classes out of his gym. At this time, there was no, there might have been another two or three black belts in the whole country. Yeah. And I rang him up and I said, can you introduce me to this black belt? Then I went to my first class and I trained that first year of jiu-jitsu. I trained every day, twice a day, every class I could get my hands on for a year. Hooked. Hooked. Yeah. 
and the gi without the gi. Yeah. And all with the intention of that that I needed, to, I wanted to do MMA at right. the end of it. So that was I, the same way, man. And I did it all and see. I like I didn't what I did because I knew I wanted to do MMA. I didn't uh, let people know I was doing jujitsu. Uh-huh. I just kind of did it. Yeah, yeah. Just went to the classes. I didn't yell at or you know I didn't make it known that I. Um, so when I had my first few MMA fights, where everybody knew me uh, for this stand-up kickboxer, right, right. not knowing that I'd done a year on the ground, like an intense year on the ground, I think for my first three or four, maybe even five fights, just takedown and submission. Really, and they never expected it. Well, because they were like, yeah. they were like, okay, we got to get this, this guy is a down somehow. He's a kickboxer, so eventually they figured that out. But there, yeah, that was my introduction to the sport, like, uh, and and that's how I. I fell in love with jujitsu, and yeah, that's how I. And so how it all you have about I think you told me forty nine fights, forty eight, forty eight. If you uh, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, the, yeah, I, everything, everything put up. together. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you mentioned to me a couple of years ago when we first met that you're like, oh man, I'd really like to get to fifty. It He's just seems fun. Don't you think it seems weird, like stopping at 48? Like I, it's not I a mean, whole number? I, who am I to judge? I only have five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I have five. I can't say, oh, you suck because you five's, didn't get 50. Five, five's not a bad number to stop on, right? Like <laughs> five, 10, 15, yeah. 20, like eight. Like I'm, I'm stopping on 48, Yeah. Which is never like. If I stopped at nine, it might be weird. Then you got to get one more. Right. So it's like, yeah, it just seems weird. And and I'm a, like uh, I'm 40. I, I turned 40, so. But my body's good. Yeah. And my brain's, you know, I, I haven't been knocked out a whole lot of times in my fights. Have I ever been knocked out? If you did, you probably don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe one knockout. So, like, I haven't I haven't had much brain trauma in all that. Nice. Fights. So, I feel good. I feel like I could do it if I... You still think about it? All the time. Yeah? Yeah, all the time. One of the things I always think about. And one of the things I'm still getting used to is not being a fighter yeah people are starting to associate me more as a as coach a coach yeah coach of the year but yeah i still don't want to be a coach you identify yourself as a fighter yeah i want to be a fighter so this is an interesting topic right because yeah. i'm kind of at a point and also galval we know mm. we're at a point where we've been competitors our whole lives yeah and now and galval is tra- transitioning now out of yeah. competition into the coaching role full-time and I'm kind of getting there too. You know, I got a few more yeah. years maybe, and then I got to think about getting out of it. And and I think that's a big identity crisis. I think I think I think a lot of soldiers go through this too. You yeah. know, they spend their life maybe ten years in the in the military, fighting, doing what what soldiers do, and then they have to make that transition into civilian life, and they kind of lose their identity. So that's kind of how I feel. Like this is my identity. I've been I've been a grappling competitor yeah. since I was 14 years old. Yeah. And. It's yeah, it, it's uh, tough. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, trust me, it's gonna be tough. I can't. I, it will be a mess. Like if I do get to my last fight, I think I'll be a mess. Like trying to, you know, after that fight, I think I'll just be like, won't know what to do. Yeah, I, I just won't be able to believe that it's come to an end. Right. And I think, uh, yeah, I I will need people around me to tell me to let the sport go I'm one of those people yeah because I'm just so in love with that feeling like that's why we do it right we right. do it for that to get in the there thrill and the thrill and the feeling afterwards yeah like Absolutely. I'm so obsessed and so in love with that like to let that go is I, I just think it will just make me so sad 
Yeah. I have to find a way to, you know, frame it in my mind so I see more positives out of it. Nothing nothing feels better than getting a hand raise. Amazing. Right? Amazing. It's a yeah. great feeling. It's amazing. It's going to be tremendously hard to leak. I mean, you're going to eventually you'll be in the same position as me. Yeah. You're kind of going there now. I think you you just mentioned, but yeah, you're going to have great difficulty. But luckily for me, jiu-jitsu competitions don't require a lot of preparation. They do. If you're trying to be the world champion, of course, at a black belt adult world champion, it takes tremendous preparation. Um, but if I want to get that mm. thrill again, I can go enter a local tournament, no problem, without mi- with minimal preparation, and I can kind of get that 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 thrill back, you know. Yeah. To prepare for a fight is a massive undertaking, right? A massive preparation. So I, like, you can't just, oh, you know, I'll just do this local smoker, you know, with like minimal preparation. Like that's just dangerous. Well, you know? the, the, I think that's the difference. I think like. So I can always you can dabble. Still capture it. In yeah. The masters or something yeah. Exactly. Like that. exactly. I can, can always can do jump masters. We don't really have that exactly. facility. So when you're done, you're done. Like you can jump and obviously, man, you can jump in a lower level competition, but the problem is the probability of getting um, hurt yeah. never is always there. Right. Like you, can, you can reduce it, but it's still there, and th- which means you still have to prepare. Yeah. And, it, and that it's the prep that is, you know, right. that's, hard, that's uh, most of the battle is the prep. Right. So yeah. are you going to do it? <laughs> well, <coughs> yeah, I am going to do it. And I, and I hate saying this. I hate saying that. Put it on public record. Yeah. Yeah, and it's on public record now, especially now that you've just brought it up. (laughs) Yeah, I hate saying I don't have time because I reckon that's just an excuse. I reckon there's that that can't be an excuse for everybody. Like you can't just make time. Yeah, right. I mean, you are here in the gym every day, but you can just make time. Like if I really break down my day or or break down my travel and how much I've got to go overseas, I I can find the time. And in fact. A couple of years ago, when I my last fight was a couple of years ago, I wasn't traveling this much, but I was traveling a fair bit, and I got three or four fights done that year. I was in the I was just you just make it work in yeah. the hotel room, running right. up and down a hallway. Right. If you're in China and it's right, there's so much smog outside, you you can't run outside. Like yeah. you just make it work. So there's no excuses. I just gotta. Yeah. You hear you hear that, it. people? Take notes. <laughs> not enough time is not a good excuse. Yeah. If you want it. You can make the time. What about What about before you hang up your gloves on jujitsu, you don't definitely don't want to have another fight? MMA? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know um, there's a girl, Elima McFarlane. She's the I think Bantamweight. Uh, yeah, I know her. She's she came to this gym for a yeah, couple yeah. of days. She's yeah. a fellow islander, right? Yeah. So we're good friends. She lives back in San Diego yeah. and she was on the podcast too and she asked me the same thing. She's like, What about a master's fight? Like you and another and someone Does else. Does that exist though? No, not really. Yeah, but, you she, make, but but you can make one. Yeah, yeah, she was like, you know, you could do a master's fight with someone else who's about your age, you know? Yeah. And then of course she she pitched me her coach, <laughs> Boogie <laughs> Richie uh, Boogeyman Martinez. Yeah. He's actually a good guy, he's a good friend of mine. He's just down the street, you know. Yeah. And uh, I've trained with his brother many times, and uh, I laughed about it because he's super tall, really tall, yeah. and really lanky. I was like, man, I, cl- I would never be able to get my hands on him. <laughs> he would just jab me from six feet away. And and he doesn't have any MMA background. He, d- as he well. does. Oh, he he's does. had MMA fights. Yeah, too. he's yeah. had a few. Uh, yeah. Probably about the same as me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a few more. Shit. But uh, I don't. Oh. I just, you know, I just didn't. I didn't love MMA like that. You know. Yeah, you fell in love with jujitsu. Yeah. Every, that, I see that a lot. Like. I, uh, MMA, 
uh, attracts a specific type of athlete, and jujitsu attracts a certain type of not athlete type of person. I think not, yeah. not necessarily athlete. And I get guys that come through the gym, and I think, man, this person's going to be real good uh, mixed martial arts athlete. But they never gravitate towards it. But they gravitate towards jujitsu. Yeah, like it. I just don't yeah. love getting hit. I don't love it. Yeah, I can take a hit. I've taken many. Yeah, I've taken a lot of hard shots, man. Mm. Um, I just didn't like it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I guess no one likes it though. You ever hear people say, "I love getting hit"? Stupidest thing ever. Right? right? I've always thought you're a fucking idiot. Like if someone said, "I love getting hit," like no, you don't. Stupid. You've never. If you love getting hit, you've never been hit. Yeah. Right. You've been grazed. Yeah, you haven't been. Hit You've been properly. bumped. You never had a, like yeah, Israel Adesanya put one put one on your jaw. Hundred percent. You know, just stupid. I'd love to get hit, mm. but you know, maybe the way that I trained wasn't the right way to train. Right. This was, I tra- I started with a guy named Chris Brennan. Right. Mm. And he used to train with a Marco Hua. Yep. And um, they trained like just reckless savages. You know, they were just sparring every day, just really hard sparring every. Yeah. Day, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. That's what I trained. That's what I did. Monday was boxing only. Maybe boxing with takedowns. Yeah. Tuesday would be uh, kickboxing with takedowns. Continue on the ground for a little bit. You know, Wednesday would be just jujitsu day. Just start on the ground, train, uh, grapple jujitsu, and then some strikes. You know, and then there would some situations. Put you on the wall. Put you in yeah. the corner. You know, and then Thursday would be everything. Like just go. It's a fight. You know, take them down. Stay on the feet. Whatever you want. But every day was sparring. It was fucking ruthless. That's yeah. And that's not the way to do it anymore. I don't see anyone. I don't see anyone at the highest level doing it like that anymore. And no. I think that's just a really old school mentality. I think Chris learned from a really old school guy. Yeah. I think Chris is an old school guy himself. You know who he is? Yep. He, Chris he, Minnett. Yeah. Yeah. He fought back. He fought Pat Militech when he yeah, was yeah, yeah. when I, Pat. I know who he is. What was his outfit called? Next generation. Next generation. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That was the team I belonged Old to. King of the Cage videos and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Next generation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my absolutely. fourth fight was in King of the Cage. Oh, really? Yeah. I got so a first-round armbar submission. <laughs> you won all your fights? First four were f- were submission wins, and the last one was a decision loss. It was in Hawaii. And, and it's uh, because I tried to stay on the feet. Oh, yeah, see, I this, is what, this, was, this is what I was just going to ask you, actually. I was like, uh, in terms of your training schedule and the way you train, but what, were, you, were you directing your training in the right areas like if you're were you a more of a jiu-jitsu orientated guy back then i was always a grappler yeah because i had so wrestled you directing your training like in that direction like every every everything else you did whether it be wrestling or stand-up was um all in light of trying to get you into grappling positions or were you just like i don't i don't i don't think so yeah. <laughs> i think i was just do, i was doing whatever the team was doing and there was no specific because uh, for that last fight, we all, our whole team fought on that event. Okay. It was our team versus their team, five on five. Yeah. So we all just kind of trained the same way, but we all had different styles. So yeah, n- it wasn't tailored to me. It wasn't tailored to yeah. Chris. It wasn't tailored to Adam. Um, yeah, well, that's, yeah. Well, that's old school as well. Yeah. I think, I think it, it's evolved so much since then. Like the, I've, the way I see Kat Zingano train, she comes and trains with us, uh, jujitsu. Yeah. And uh, she was kind of explaining her routine and like basically it's sparring is just on Fridays. Yeah. And I think this is pretty common. Yeah. Can yeah. you confirm? One, yeah. One, once or twice a week. Like it's a lot yeah. of workouts, a lot of pad work throughout the week, technical yeah. stuff. Mm. And then towards the end of the week, maybe that's where the hard sparring comes in Fridays. Yep. 
yep. more or less yep. on average. Right. Yep. That's about, that's about, that's, right. yeah, that's not what we did. And I think maybe, <laughs> maybe I, I burned out a little too quickly because of the way we trained. Yeah. But, uh, but also your game, your game has to be tailor made to suit your strength. Yeah, of course. So when you're doing, um, you know, like uh, kickboxing or boxing training, it has a specific purpose to eventually give you the option or put you in positions to get yeah. to a grappling type scenario. Right. Because the 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 body of information to learn, if you just like say to yourself, I'm just going to be a kickboxer and I'm going to just learn everything, you can't possibly ever do that. Right. It would be like me taking Israel and say, hey, look, you know, we're just going to learn as much as we can about jujitsu. Right. We could never do that in like 10 lifetimes. So it's silly. So tell me if you agree with me or not. It's silly for Israel to be like, I'm going to submit someone. I'm going to learn some jujitsu now. I'm going to focus all my energy on jujitsu because my striking is good. So now I'm just going to put all my energy in jujitsu, become well-rounded. I think that's silly, right? You focus on your strengths. Impossible. Yeah, impossible like, yeah, like you just couldn't do it right like we we do a huge amount of grappling but it's not it's specific for him it's about getting back to the feet it's, yeah it's specific right. type of grappling like right. uh, a lot of it's obviously a lot of it's to do with framing and getting your hips out and butt scooting and getting out but then there's really specific sweeps that we do when the guy's putting too much pressure on you but we don't go over you know everything we don't right. go into like you know, Dalheva or using right. butterflies. No, we we don't have to go that deep, and we never could because we just don't have the time. It takes a, it takes a you know it takes a lifetime to master some of those things. Yeah, that's part of the job. Like that's part of the art of coaching these guys is you have to like have a sense for. Oh what we shit. Need. And that's that's why, I mean, that's part and principle of why jujitsu's a lot, you know, taking less and less at stake. Right. Of something like the UFC or the MMA, and of course you have the, the anomalies like Damian Meyer and stuff. Of course, but I mean, not everyone's on Damian's level. Not everybody, but like kind of circling back around to what we were saying before about your whole game supporting your strength. If you look at Damian Meyer, everybody knows he's the perfect example, right, of the guy that got away from his jiu-jitsu and then yeah. came back to his jiu-jitsu right. and then directed all his wrestling and all his stand-up to put him into jiu-jitsu positions. Right. So he narrowed everything down and got way more specific about those other arts and it was far more easier f- for him to train then and then he had far more success. So that's another perfect example that I forgot about. But Some of the guys were telling me they don't even like passing the guard. They just want to get to half guard. I just want to get the half guard and just drop the bombs from half guard because when you have that least you have that leg of the guy on bottom is trapped in the half guard. If if he gets into side control, if the guy on top goes to side control, it's actually maybe a little easier for the guy on bottom to slip out and and recover himself. Well, in, in MMA, like you just see a trend, like scrambling is just 
it's just the thing. It's everywhere. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's just what you do. Like, right. You don't. You don't like escape your hips and recompose your gut. You're not trying to not trying to do beautiful. Nah. Hit technical like, escaping. Nah, and and side control is a position that, that you know is is considered very difficult to to you know stop someone from bridging and hip escaping. Especially if they're shirtless and sweaty as fuck. A hundred percent. So it's just better to be in half guard. I think right. that's just a general trend in MMA. I and agree. a good one. And a good one. Like side I agree. Side control is you have to be you have to really put some time into that specific position to learn how to control it to learn how to control it yeah. and you have to really put some time in MMA because it's yeah it's a slightly different position in MMA right yeah because um, you can't punch someone if you're chest to chest controlling them super super tight the way you need to you can't you can't punch if someone the ref will yeah if you can't punch someone then the Point the what are you doing? Pointless. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. The ref will stand you up. Exactly. I think in, like I think nowadays, side control is a bit of an anti position. Yeah. I think it's like more used to transition to mount or, um, like we do here, we'll we'll just rewind the hip and then come back into like a hip smash position. Yeah. Where we've got some sort of control right. over the hips and legs. Right. That's what we do. From control side the control. ability to scramble. Hundred percent. Right. Control the ability to scramble. So you won't see my guys in side control much. You'll see us fighting to get out of side control. Yeah. To a better control position. Yeah. Um. So, so these guys got their fight coming up in in two weeks, right? Mm. And then two weeks later is Israel's fight with Homel, Romel, Romero. Yeah. yeah. What's his Romero? name? Romero. Romero. Jo- Yoel. Yoel. Yoel Romero. Romero. Yeah. And and I don't I've I've watched Yoel a few times, right? He's he's just seems like a freak athlete. Um. What's it? Is he, is he like to stay on the feet? Is that his thing? What does he like to do? Uh, Romero? Yeah, Romero. What does he like to do? He stays on the <laughs> feet and, and just drops bombs. Stays on the feet. He does, huh? He doesn't ever try to take anyone down? Very rarely tries right. to take someone down. And also n- not the greatest, you know. Um, Most technical wrestler. Yeah, not the, not the greatest practitioner when it comes to keeping people on the ground. Because right. that's another art. That right needs to be learned like it's it's one thing to get someone down but then you got to put a lot of time into holding them down um he doesn't hold people down too well he can get them down um but for the most part he doesn't but he has massive problems with a match that goes longer than your average wrestling match which is uh, i believe right. three minutes uh wrestling is is three rounds of two which three is rounds of two, six which to- is six minutes total you know that's significantly shorter time than right. fifteen. It's one MMA round of right? MMA, basically. Yeah, <laughs> almost. He has massive, uh, you know, cardio problems. Yeah, because uh, he has massive muscles. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's an aerobic sport. Like right, it goes for fifteen minutes, twenty five minutes, and yeah. he has big problems in that area. And uh, and and it, the problem with wrestling is it's very taxing on your energy systems. Right. right. This is the like that's the primary reason he doesn't use wrestling. As, as as much as people think he would being a world class wrestler. Yeah. But I that's that's why I find it so funny when uh <coughs> excuse me. A lot of people are saying this is the guy that can beat Israel, Israel because he's such a high level wrestler but he never uses his wrestling. Well, I just gave Israel a one hour private lesson on the hanger team, so Man. if you all dares to take him down, I'm it pretty sure cool. he's just gonna get strangled. 
That would be very cool. <laughs> it, for me, it would be the coolest. It would be the, coolest, <laughs> it would be the, it would be the highlight of my life. <laughs> but it'd be credited. You, I'd make sure he would do it himself, but I'd make sure he credited you straight away on the mic. <laughs> Joe Rogan, this is where I got this. No, he go promised. Hangatine, he promised. Go to Hangar Team DVD at BJJ Fanatics. It's up there. It's up there. BJJ Fanatics. It's on BJJ Fanatics, yeah. Yeah. Would bolster up the. I, you know, I don't even care about the DVD sales, man. <laughs> I, it's, it would just be a, just a point of happiness for me. I don't even need a dime. Yeah. I just need to be able to brag about it. <laughs> Which, That'd be cool. So we'll see what happens, you know. Um, and I will say, I, you know, Israel is a natural. And Brad. Brad, man, Brad's a natural too. They, they yeah. picked it up fast. And Israel put some, he showed me some things that he was working on. Like if someone has him up against the cage and, and holding onto a single leg and he was showing me these chokes that he likes to work on just to get people to back off. Yeah, slipping in a, an inverted rear naked choke. You know, when the person's holding a single leg, but and they're against the fence, it was it was really cool. And I showed him some things to try to tweak and make it a little tighter. I think I, I and you, I, I it took me a lot of years uh, toiling with the guillotine to accept it because I I always thought when you grab a guillotine, it makes you very vulnerable to be taken down. That's the thing. Yeah. I so you're kind of accepting the takedown, which in MMA, which in uh, which in jujitsu is more acceptable, but in right. MMA you cannot be on bottom. Like right. Bottom is the is the anti position. Of course. Somewhere you can never. It's never acceptable. You can never give up, you know, a submission position for an actual, you know, uh, right. position. So, um, I just had to put more time into it, a lot more study. The guys had to get better at it, and now it can be, you know, when you get good at it, when you when you start to master it a bit. It can be a real threat. I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, I would, of course, never, never advise, you know, uh, an MMA fighter to like accept a jump on a guillotine and try to jump close guard. I think that would be the, the, just the mm. stupidest thing you could ever do. Mm. But if someone is taking you down and you're going down, yeah, I you think. Slip it in. Yeah. Yeah. Try to slip it in. It's there. Mm. And then usually what that can happen, at least what I was showing with Israel, is like, look, even if you just slip it in and then the person has to scramble in one way or another to get out of it and then that's your opportunity yeah. to get back to your feet. And that's basically what I was showing him. Like, look, you're going to hold the head. You put some pressure on the choke. This is how the person has to react. He's going to go this way or this way. Get the sweep. And then, yeah, then you can get back on top or get back to your feet. That's the goal always. Not, I'm not saying like, – I would never advise him like, hey, stay on your back and squeeze it and finish it. No. So. <laughs> well, I was a bit of an anti-guillotine guy for that reason. But then we got into it, and we did, we did, man, we must have done two or three months of doing high elbow guillotine and the power guillotine, and I, st me and Edward studied it a bit longer, and we studied the options of the failed guillotines and the sweeps, and we, we did it real, no one had fights, so we did really intense kind of like uh, three months of, of just putting on guillotines, um, mainly from front headlock, not from pulling guard, mainly yeah, from yeah. front headlock. I'm just going to spin this in front of you a little more. There you go. And uh, what happened was the, the boys got really good at it. And then they started to do it in other positions. Yeah. They started to pull a little bit against the cage. And then now it's a, now if someone leaves their neck there now, then they'll, then the boys know. So soon now as soon as they put it on and they're going for a takedown, they put all their attention. Defending. Defending the guillotine. Right. And then there's no takedown anyway. So and that's what I was trying to tell Izzy too, you know? Yeah. So it's there's that side of it that I definitely yeah, it's it's I a good way to, to see that side of it. Yeah, it's a good way to get people to back off of a takedown, especially against the cage. 
exactly. Especially if you're. you're I'm excited. I'm excited to watch all these guys fight. <laughs> is the is Hooker and, and Riddle is that going to be on pay per view or is that going to be live streamed or anything? How can I watch yeah, that's that? It's a free one. It's a free one. Yeah, it's a, a fight. fight it's a fight night. It's a fight night. Okay. So you watch that. We'll um, be on Fox or something. No, no. No. ESPN. ESPN. Yeah. ESPN. Josh Hanger, you where you been? I t- I'm Fox sorry. Was last year. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, the year before last year. So now ESPN. So is that is that an upgrade? You think? ESPN's the biggest sports. Uh, That's yeah, it. Biggest, biggest sports network in the world. It was an upgrade. The UFC got a lot of money from the ESPN deal. I'm yeah? not sure if we all got a lot of money from the ESPN. But deal, <laughs> but the, the the boss did. But yeah, whoever the bosses are got a lot right. of money. We won't get into the politics. Yeah, of, of course. UFC. I mean, we can. You wanna? Well, <laughs> you want to say something? <laughs> at the moment, my relationship with the UFC is uh, pretty good. So I don't think Dana listens to my podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you can go ahead and say whatever you want. You'll be surprised, man. You will be surprised. It's not that Dana listens to it, but they have a staff of four or five hundred people. Oh yeah, yeah. Just monitoring the not media. Not monitoring, but you know, like ears open. Yeah, they just have people that work on their social media and stuff, and 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 a lot of the people that work for the UFC are like jujitsu heads. Yeah. Or wrestling here right. or judo and they so they get in the community. Yeah, yeah. And then I've been surprised about some of the things that have come up that the people higher up and it comes from the staff who are like in the scene. Yeah, yeah. So you can't like nowadays you can't hide nothing, like it's all out there now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tra- <laughs> you gotta and yeah. You gotta watch what you say. Yeah. But I don't mind shit talking to UFC. It's just like everybody shit talks to UFC. Like there's good things and bad things. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Um Let's just, I mean, it's all, I mean, it all comes down to this, that a monopoly on anything is not good. You think they have a, a monopoly? They do have a monopoly in the sense that there's no... At that level? Their next competitor is... Bellator. Miles, it's, it's miles away from them. Bellator? Yeah. Yeah. So they're not a monopoly in the industry, like they're the only person, you know, they're the only one in the industry. Yeah. But they're the only one... But they control such a large segment of the market. Such a massive segment of the market and yeah. the next closest competitor is yeah is miles away from them so that in that sense of a monopoly yeah. they are one so yeah so tell me how did you find Israel how did that happen how long has he, how long has he been around <laughs> with you did you, just, did you just stumble in the door one day about 10 <laughs> yeah about 10 years and he did stumble in the in the door he did yeah just like hey what are you guys doing here I he, do did, he did what very similar to what I did, where I jumped in that jujitsu tournament. Yeah. He jumped in an MMA fight without any training, uh-huh. just watching videos yeah. for, for like the night before. But obviously, yeah, he had no training at all. No kickboxing, no boxing, he nothing. Did kickboxing. Okay. But no wrestling, grappling training at all, except for what he watched on video. Okay. And how I met him for the first time was I cornered that fight because a friend of mine was cornering him who was a kickboxer yeah. and I was doing jiu-jitsu so my kickboxing friend couldn't corner him because he didn't know any jiu-jitsu yeah, yeah. so I went along and that's where I first ever met him and he got his ass kicked were you just like what is this guy doing like are you crazy I actually asked him because I w- actually I was fighting MMA by then I asked him um, have you done jiu-jitsu no. So what's that? Yeah. <laughs> said, what about judo? Said, I did taekwondo when I was um, 10, and I've done, I've had a couple of kickboxing fights. Yeah. 
And then he said, and I've been watching YouTube. <laughs> and he was watching. What do you think he was watching? Like, which practitioner do you think he was watching? Oh, no, this was... Was he watching Josh Hinger Hingerton videos? Nah, he was watching, <laughs> Just kidding. He was watching Eddie Bravo stuff. Really, was he? Yeah, it was, I think he was 10th Planet stuff. Well, you know... Which has always been popular on the internet, right? Yeah. Like, always had a big internet presence. It, it was there was it was <laughs> the easiest type of jujitsu video to find ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I agree. When yeah, I yeah, I used yeah. to do I used to teach jujitsu when I was a purple belt, and I would run out of things to teach, and I'd be googling things like, man, what, <laughs> what should I show these guys? And it was always Tenth Planet videos. Always that was yeah. all over the YouTube. Yeah. It was the they most did, accessible. They, they did a great job. Of getting yeah. Themselves out they did. Right. But he he just watched the video, a rabbit guard video and i think at some one point i did see him pull the ankle up and try to grab it but he had no yeah. idea <laughs> what he was doing after watching a video for an hour and then uh so he got his he got his ass kicked he got his ass kicked taking down all three rounds i mean you can be the you know how it is you can, yeah. it doesn't matter how great you right, are right, on, the, right. on the feet if you're on your back it doesn't make a difference did he survive the fight he did he okay. survived the fight took all the punishment and um then he just showed up at my gym a month later and walked in and said I want to start taking this fighting thing seriously. I want to train with you. And that's when we started our journey. 10 years ago? It's approximately. I'm no good with eight, dates. 8 to 10. Yeah. I, you have to ask him. But more or less his MMA career is credited to you as your coach. You you built that MMA career with him. Yeah. Nice. Yep. And before that, he was just a straight kickboxer. Just a straight kickboxer. But a um, very <laughs> exciting kickboxer. A very good one. And... He, when he came to the gym, it was with the intention of being an MMA fighter. Uh-huh. But I recognized that he had a real uh, strength in his stand-up and also his, uh, like his physical makeup. Yeah. How he's quite light, but he's so tall. Yeah. And he has yeah good, good height and reach. So at that point, I steered him towards just the kickboxing. I thought, let's, I, I believe this is going to be um, your biggest advantage amongst all these combat sports or all these different arts. Right. Let's put uh, some real time into that. And so we did that for quite a few years. And then later on, we started to feed jujitsu in. And then we started to feed wrestling in. And then we're at the point we are now. And he received his blue belt from Andre, right? He did get his blue belt. Was it Galval that put it on him? It was Galval. Yeah. <coughs> this is a funny thing in um, the sport, right? Like, Adam, who's one of the head black belts at our, uh, our Atos uh, uh, affiliate here, he believes that you need to be in a gi a lot to advance in your belts. Okay. A lot of people believe that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he doesn't he, he kind of disregards any grappling any other uh kind of grappling you do whether it be no gi no gi ibjjf no gi yeah ebi or whatever whatever you're doing he kind of disregards it and especially he has a thing against mma like it's if he, you know like sometimes all we do is grappling we don't do any stand-up for a whole week yeah it's all grappling but all without a gi but all without a gi, so he doesn't want to count that as anything, you know. As, as experience. As experience that goes right. towards getting a belt. So Izzy will be a blue belt forever. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> and Adam dies. <laughs> Adam, Adam would be the one to approve a promotion, right? He has a big say because he, 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 um, 
you know, he's he's leads the club in a lot of ways. But yeah, yeah, it's just a constant argument we have every jujitsu graduation. Right. I put forward about eight or ten MMA guys that are clearly not white belts. Right, right. But Adam just vetoes it. He vetoes (laughs) all of them aggressively. It don't matter if they're UFC champion or number five in the world UFC or number ten. It don't matter. Like it means nothing. Right. Which is cool. Like that's uh, he he's running that show. I mean, I've seen a lot of MMA guys get promoted to black belt. You know, and And barely hopping a gi. Right. Where do you sit? In that opinion. Uh, Where do you sit? I I I received my first three belts as a nogi only grappler so i i have to take the stance that you yeah. take i have to say if I, otherwise i'm hypocritical right yeah i received blue and purple as a specifically no nogi grappler mm-hmm. and i didn't put a gi on until i was uh purple or brown mm. I, I would just dabble lightly just play with it because yeah. i was curious so i so I, then you're counting all that experience as that's jujitsu. Like yeah, that. but look at I was able to put a gi. So I was a hardcore no gi enthusiast. Like I would talk shit about the gi all the time. Yeah. I would say the gi is garbage. It's just because that's what Chris Brennan was like. Yeah. He said the gi is only useful for mopping up sweat and blood. That's it. He's like, it's not practical because he was an MMA fighter, yeah, right? So for him, the gi was irrelevant. And uh, that was his stance. And I, and, I, and I adopted that stance for a long time. And I would just talk. I, had to, I would have arguments with my friends all the time. I'd say, ah, the gi is stupid. doesn't make any sense. Like no gi is harder. It's harder. And they're like, well, the gi has more options, so you have to be you have to be quicker mentally, you know, because yeah. there's so many variations on everything. You have to be mentally sharp. And I was like, well, but no gi is faster, so you have to think faster. And it was a scramble, and like we'd always have this argument. And to it's be an honest, evolving argument. Yeah, of course, of course. There's no end to it. And I would just say, uh, and so I put the gi on one day because I wanted to shut these guys up. I say, okay, I'm gonna train in your gi, and I'm gonna kick your asses with my no gi moves in a gi. You can yeah. grab my gi all you want. I'm gonna do my same thing. I'm gonna do my same triangle, my same guillotine. I'm gonna do yeah. my twister, and uh, so I put the gi on just to just to show them that I could use my no gi to f- to trash them, and I did. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> but this was like in Indiana, you know, yeah. uh, where you know there's not a whole lot of world champions. You know, when I brought it out to San Diego, well, I had been training in the gi but for like three or four years at that yeah. point. So then I came to San Diego, but I would always try to do no gi jujitsu in a gi, and it was very very difficult. And yeah. Andre would laugh at me sometimes. I'd be, I'd be grabbing his wrist instead of the sleeve, and he's like, "Oh, you're doing no gi." Yeah, I I think it's I think you can advance very far uh, in just no gi. Like the fundamental moves are the same. Yeah, yeah. Mostly. I mean, I'm, I'm. I don't know. I I gotta I'm, be careful I'm the same here. As you. Like I had a no gi game, and if I put a gi on, I just did whatever my the, no gi game. Yeah, the was same moves, right? Yeah. The same moves. Yeah. My game is completely orientated towards MMA, which in a jiu-jitsu environment or in a jiu-jitsu setting has no place, which is why when I'm fighting like gi, no no gi I used to be all right like four or five years ago. I used to hold my own. Yeah. But now jiu-jitsu has changed so much. Yeah. The, the modern game is It's so becoming very sporty. Yeah. My MMA jiu-jitsu just can't even keep up with in the no-gi world anymore and definitely in the gi world it's just such a different like branch of jiu-jitsu like it's uh, if you can even call it that like really it's mma like it's just so different yeah 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 it's just so different now i will say though anytime i grappled er, an mma fighter 
they're very difficult to deal with. They're just so difficult. It's hard to finish yeah. them. It's hard yeah. to control them. They're so good at shaking you off. Mm. They're so good with their base, you know, like to sweep them is impossible. Yeah. To holding their back is super difficult. They're very, yeah. very tough. But, but this, this, that's got to do with that. Their game is like segmented into such a small part. Like they only learn the smallest part of jujitsu. Right. So the, the defensive little, part. So the, yeah. So the little right. things that you're saying are describing is so difficult. Like that's all they do because they don't have this big, you know, um, you know, they don't have this big base of knowledge. Right. Like they only right. do a few small specific things. They just need to know how to get you off the back. So they become really good at those really small yeah. specific things. Better than your average jujitsu guy you're coming up against. So I would they're agree. learning like a more broader range of knowledge, right? right? That's yeah. why that's so difficult. So um They're basically escape artists. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're only concentrating on that. There's, yeah. there's a very narrow Avoid this mission. Stay on top. Yeah, that's so it. they better be good at it, right? Because right. they're not learning that much in right. terms of jiu-jitsu. Like that makes sense. Yeah. So that um, makes sense. And I think when they're not being punched in the face, to them it's an easy day, right? <laughs> like whatever's yeah. happening, it's easy because they're not, they don't have to worry about getting punched. You get that. Like you get that, right? But the, 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 the best tr- MMA guys are the guys that when, when they are doing that cross-training, they're taking, like that's not, you know, it's a jiu-jitsu match. Ju- they're playing jujitsu. Right. They're the best type of cross trainers. Right. Not the guys are, uh, you know, that's that's real old school. Menta- You'll still come across that. Oh, you passed my guard. So what? You're not punching me in the face. Right. I'll just get up here. And, uh, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that still exists though, but yeah. Um. So I was going to ask about Brad too, Brad, because Brad is is a really hardcore kickboxer, right? Yeah, he's had nearly a hundred kickboxing fights like and he's a phenomenal kickboxer i heard he just hits like a freight train he is a phenomenal kickboxer and he was a guy that suffered from this problem um and that problem being he was very good but with not a big name so it was very hard for me to secure world-class opposition when he was in his kickboxing career right because he had a because he was from this part of the world and no one was willing to take risks and fight him because he was a relatively unknown guy. Relatively, he was still known to all the people that I'm into, you know, all the people in the industry knew him. So it was it was very difficult for me to secure him, those top, top guys, because they were essentially fighting someone no one had ever heard of right. who was very good and had, if they, they could have beat them. They right. potentially could have beat them if they weren't sharp that night. Yeah. So his kickboxer, his kickboxing career suffered in that respect, and and that's why this move to the UFC has been so good for him. He just we got that contract last year, right? Yeah, yeah. But this, in, just in so you guys know, you can't avoid fights. You right. Have to fight him. So right. Whoever they tell you to fight, you fight. You fight. Yeah. yeah. You fight. That's a great thing about this it. This is Brad. His uh, his nickname is Quake. Yeah. Riddle. Riddell. Riddell. The next big thing they reckon, or we reckon. Yeah, we and reckon. he fights at one fifty-five. 155. Man, he's yeah. a big boy for 155. He's like my size almost. He is. He is. He he doesn't like the weight cutting. It and stuff, sucks. But, um, he's also, if you look at the 170 guys, they're huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you for would sure. be that. You would be. I would have to fight 170. Yeah, you would be that in that funny in that middle middle ground, just like him. You'd be like, wow, I'm yeah. not like a huge 170 guy, but I'm not. 
you know like i'm a bit too big for yeah you know the first fight i ever did was 155 and it was just fucking brutal yeah like the weight cut was just horrible yeah. it was the worst experience of my life mm. yeah like you're on that metal it's a difficult choice yeah like we uh, th- we were contemplating the 170 but in the end we because of that bread's quite short we were like yeah yeah he'll be a big 55er though he is yeah he i'm is. excited to see what happens um so is this his first ufc fight second the second his second fight okay his first fight was his yeah what's what's the date <coughs> on that event I see the when after is party. Is that 23rd? No, that's the date. So that's the date. And then this yeah. this is the after party poster. This is a podi- poster here just for the after party. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, it's important, the after party. Of course, of course. It's very important. Yeah, make sure you guys check out the UFC fight night <laughs> on uh, February 23rd and Dan Hooker and Brad Riddell. What do they do in a, a jiu-jitsu setting? Like if you, let's say you and all the Atos guys go to Worlds. Uh-huh. We have a party. Yeah, you guys yeah, go, go yeah. out afterwards. Yeah, we won the Worlds uh, in the Gi two, two years in a row, um, minus this past year. Um, and, yeah, we have a massive. Not the same night. Oh, not the same night? No. That like Why not? Because usually it runs until midnight, and we're like. Oh, really? Yeah, it runs pretty late. Yeah. And then we're in a city that's kind of far from home, and so everyone else wants to get home, and it's like Sunday night. Okay. So then we just plan it for the next weekend, and we have yeah. a big, big barbecue at the, at the academy, and all just bring out a band we have a band we have yeah. a food booths outside we take over yeah. the parking lot basically yeah that's good it's a good time yeah um yeah that's a bit different to no. our parties oh, i'm sure you guys i'm <laughs> sure you guys I'm, i can only imagine i can only imagine so jiu-jitsu people like have like on terms of like we don't parties. get paid the same eugene yeah <laughs> yeah but we don't get paid the same so you it's a more um how can i say it tame or like family oriented yeah. yeah 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 these guys are uh, these guys are popping bottles and and getting bottle service in the yeah. in the, the the VP area of the of the nightclub, yeah. right? <laughs> well, funny, but yeah, I guess, and that's got to do with like a lot of that has to do with you. You've lived like a monk for like three months, right? Of course, you, you got to cut loose. Your body, you haven't had a late night, <clears throat> but I'm wondering why is it not. Is it is that just Atos? Because probably, yeah, probably it's it's, it's it's just the Atos way is, is keep way, it yeah. keep it clean and, and family friendly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know Andre. Yeah, of course. He, he's a pure soul. Okay. He's got a pure heart. Yeah, because I would think it would be the same amongst jujitsu people. Like they they do the same. They do a training camp just like us. Yeah. And then I imagine by the end of it, and and especially with success, they just want to go and get smashed. And a lot of those guys do. Like a lot yeah. of the big dogs, like the old school guys, like yeah. I, they were party animals. Like Leandro yeah. Lowe, he's like one of the yeah. greatest competitors of all time. Yeah. He's well known for being a party animal. Yeah. Bouchesha also. Yeah. Like these guys go out and they they live that, <laughs> they live that life. But not Josh Hanger. No, I'm too old for that, man. <laughs> I can't, dude. I can't even drink more than one beer at a time. Otherwise, I feel yeah. I feel horrible the next day. Sits you back, eh? Yeah, and the way I always think of it is I'm still actively training, and and I train year round. I don't really take, I don't really take seasons so yeah. much. I just kind of keep it going all year, and uh, I don't yeah. want, I don't want to. I just don't like feeling like crap, man. Yeah. I don't want to get beat up in training, you know. And, and especially like when I go teach seminars after the seminar, sometimes we do some training. Depends on how late it runs you know or you not. Can, you can, uh, I have an American collegiate wrestler here, or Frank Hickman. 
I know Frank. Yeah, yeah, Frank. Yeah. Frank and George. Right? Frank and George. Yeah, George runs the MMA down at Tiger. He's the head MMA coach Tiger Muay Thai. And, and Frank's the head uh, wrestling coach. But Frank comes over here and helps uh, Israel and the boys train uh, for their fights. Um, he's trained himself. Yeah. You can train yourself to have a big night and, and, and sti- still come in and perform. Because <laughs> he's done it for years. <laughs> No matter how hungover, he'll show up. He next shows day. up every single time, and sometimes it'll be straight off the back. He'll get home, shower, at eight nine a.m. Yeah, chuck his wrestling shoes in his bag, chuck his, and he'll come to training. Oh my god! Absolutely smash it! Oh my god! And then like it's probably the best way to get over it, right? Just mate, sweat it out. Yeah. Afterwards, he'll be like, he he he'll kill it, and then he'll, you know, he'll he'll flatten flat line later. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how he's done it, and he's just trained himself. He's trained himself to do it. it it's amazing. Does like, he vomit very much? No, like no. He's just and and then you know what happens. You know what happens. He's a, he's a funny guy. If you get to know him, he's really funny. But uh, he'll he'll um, have one night. He'll be like, oh, you know what? I got training with Izzy tomorrow and the boys' hard grappling session. I'll stay home. He'll stay home. And then he'll come to training and he'll perform like dog shit. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> he'll perform like dog shit and then he'll come up to me and go, huge, fuck that. That was dog shit. I'm going out again. <laughs> I've, you know, I've and noticed a few times I've done the same thing where I had a horrible night of sleep. Maybe I slept two hours and I thought, yeah. oh my God, I'm just going to get fucking destroyed in training tomorrow. Yeah. And I show up, and for some reason, I just fucking bomb on everyone. Yeah, yeah, and I and I just have a great day. And of course, like after training, I die, and I go yeah. home and just fall <laughs> apart. But I just ask myself, like, how the fuck did I pull that off? And yeah, some days you're well rested, and then and then things don't click. It happens. You never know, man, with training, right? You never know what days you're going to be on, what days you're not going to be on. There's just so many things, right, that can right. affect it. Like there's so, right. there's so many things that in the human body that we don't know about it. So much stuff that goes on in our brain, like just who knows? Yeah, we we try our best to control what we can control through all the knowledge that we have, but man, there's a lot of unknown stuff. Um, so I'm just gonna change the subject. You have a new location, right? This gym. New yeah, lo- we're in. The, yeah, I I had to move gyms. You had to. Well, I was because you had too many people. Mate, it was just the way that. I mean, people that, uh, this is probably mainly an American audience, but uh, MMA in, in our country is blowing up. Right. You know, like it did at a certain point in America, maybe. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot longer ago for you guys, but yeah. at the moment it's blowing up, so I just had to move. I had to double my space, triple, triple my space. So, so I you, you had the old location for how many years? Uh, 11. 11 years. Okay, and you just moved years. over here this year. And we just, no, 12 years, 12 years, and then we just moved here. Yeah, and and uh, as far as I can see, it's already packed. <laughs> it's already full, but I'm wait. There's a lot of construction I got going on that's yeah. gonna happen. So yeah. put down some walls and make some more space. But yeah, it's just that it's just in this period, like we just have to take advantage of it, right? So like I, I could have suffered in the old place, right, and restricted the numbers, or I could have just been no, man, just no. You worked hard. You <coughs> built this team of phenomenal athletes. You have a UFC champion on your roster got two two ufc champions yeah who's the other one alex Volkanovski. oh he's the champion he's the champion as well which which weight class Seven? uh 66 kilos what's that oh the one my. under 155 145 yeah yeah 
he trains in Australia and has his home gym and his home coach, uh, his coach at home. But he also comes over here, yeah, and and polishes off right. um, his training camps and stuff. Yeah, so you got two UFC champions on your roster, man. You deserve a bigger location. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool. Of course, just, just to be able to do it, like I, like I've I've said um, on record that you know this is the truth. This gym didn't make a cent for about five to six years. We ran the we ran the business at a loss you're, you're talking about the old gym like this is years yeah, ago well, my just my gym yeah like the, city yeah, kickboxing city, city kickboxing never made any money for five years for the first i think it was six six years six years so our our books at the end of it were we were in the negative we weren't making money how'd you survive <coughs> big steel and borrowed yeah yeah we just big steel and borrowed like literally just found money lying around figured we, it out yeah we just figured it we out made it happen and made it and we made it happen yeah we just oh man I, can i get an advance on this can i right know, right just hustled see no one sees that right everyone nah. sees the success they see it's like the the yeah what do they call it the iceberg model where yeah. like just just the top five percent sticks out of the water and that's what everyone sees but they don't see the the rest of the iceberg under the water they don't see how many people struggled yeah you know, and here yeah. you are, you got awarded coach of the year, MMA coach of the year, two UFC champions on your roster. They don't realize no. you struggled for years. Yeah, 100%, but I tell you, like, and, and jujitsu people can appreciate this. Like, uh, it wasn't making any money, but I just didn't, What? Do you, who cares? Yeah. I was. You're doing playing. what you love. Yeah, man. At least I was doing what I wanted to do. And that's how I always played it out of my mind. I was like, fuck, I'm not making jack shit here. Yeah. All my friends have got cars, houses. But fuck it, like I'm doing what I want to do. They're right. not they ain't doing what they want to do. Right. I'm doing whatever I want to do. Uh, I'm doing what I love to do. That's how I justified it. And that's the only way I could have survived. Like most people are not going to run a business for six years that right. makes no money. Right. Like, it would kill most people. They would have stopped. Most people would be stressing right. out after a year. Right. So, and jujitsu people can understand that, right? Because yeah. I did that. I, <coughs> yeah. You, you, you don't make any money in jujitsu. I had three or four years of just making nothing. And then, and 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 you're putting everything on the hope that you might get to a high enough level yep. in the, in, as a competitor that you can start to. That's it. Open an academy, charge yeah. a decent amount for seminars. Yeah. But, but when you first begin, when you're purple, brown, you don't know that that'll even come to fruition. Right. Right. You don't, you're like, it's so difficult. Well, that's, it's exactly the same sort of journey. A lot of people message me and ask how to do it. How do they make it? And I'm like, well, what belt are you? They're like, blue belt. Yeah. I was like, bro, I yeah. don't know what to tell you. You're going to have to get a job and yeah. train. That's what I did. I yeah. had a job. I worked all day. I trained every evening. That's what you got to do, you know, until you can make money doing jujitsu. That's going to be until only until brown belt. <laughs> brown belt you can start making a little money yeah you probably still gotta have a job still gotta have a job yeah even black belts yeah. <laughs> they gotta have jobs to yeah. i know a lot of black belts who drive uber to supplement their income mate that's one of the most difficult things i'm dealing with amongst this kind of new generation of um, kids young adults coming right. through now right is they think that they can just give up on everything else and make a make a living immediately <coughs> and put all the eggs into this right into being an MMA fighter right and I'm not going to say they want to bludge off other people but they want to make themselves a burden on other people maybe family maybe friends right 
you know, the giver little pages are, are the worst, right? I find those really cringe. Like, you've got people opening giver little uh, pages just to support, so other people can it's support their career. They're called giver little pages. Yeah, it's or like, like donate. You, you yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a donation page, like a donation um, page. GoFundMe is the, another the one. GoFundMe, yeah, yeah. GoFundMe. Yeah. So they're asking for people to support their their, their dream, career. right? In the same way that oh. you or someone else, we just used to do it and yeah. work. Yeah, like you have to work. You yeah, have to like get it. You have to go out there and get it yourself. Can't be given to you. But to, there's another generation coming through now, and they want everything to be given to them on a plate. Yeah. You gotta work, and then if it happens for you, it happens for you. Yeah, that's something new that I deal with. The problem is if you if you rely on other people to to kind of drag you along the way and help you, you're not gonna you're not gonna have that same hunger or that same that need to win that need for success because you didn't really have to earn it. No, right? A hundred percent. Like, like that, they that's what. Go ahead. Sorry. Th- I mean, that's what got all my boys to where they are. Right. That they had to work when? side by side and struggle, right. and, reali- and and that was their motivation. Like Israel says all the time, he said, "I used to work for a, a gas company and an office, and it used to kill me. And I I needed to I needed to use every ounce of energy I had to get out of there, right? To get out of there, he, had, like he was motivated. Of, it's part of your motivation. It's right. part of why you are able to get to where you, where you want to get to. Yeah. If you take that away, then yeah. You're just someone's just handing you something on a plate. It must be completely different. Your path will be completely different, and you won't reach there. I agree, hundred percent. I used to work at Bank of America as a teller. Really? And I fucking hated it. I, <coughs> I hated it more it, than anything, man. I had that. I had to wear the tie every day. I had to wear the nice shoes, and we had to stand for the entire shift. Eight hours of standing at a computer and dealing with people who would bring in their money. And they were just, they wanted everything for free, you know, like that if they wanted like a cashier's check or a money order and I'm like, okay, well that's like a $2 charge, you know, yeah. or whatever. And they're like, what? I have $80,000 in that account. I don't, I don't want to pay $2 for yeah. that. And I'm like, Hey man, I don't, I don't make the rules. <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't own bank of America, you know? And they always thought because they had so much money at the bank that yeah. they deserved all this, this shit for free that I wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> and they're just giving me a hard time about it. And I'm like, okay, let me just call the supervisor over. And at the end of the day, man, I just wanted to slap those people so hard. Like, I don't give a fuck how much money you have. Mm. Like, don't talk to me like that. You know, like, I just want to grab their head and just like, bah, just run their head into the, the, the desk. Like, who <coughs> so do you think you, you are t- talking to me like yeah. that? Like, just because you have so much, do- so many dollars in your bank account, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah. So that's my, that was my motivation. That was my last job. That was my last corporate job. Yeah. before I got out and I, 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 don't, I can't see you working in that sort was, of environment but ugh, that, yeah. it was horrible I, I only know of you now like yeah it was horrible yeah. this was in 2008 yeah 12 years ago but I mean you would agree you needed that experience oh yeah I was you, motivated if someone had come to you and said look I, I'm gonna like give you this and give you that I'm gonna aid you to get where you want to go I'm not sh- like it's hard to say whether you'd get there like under yeah. that same yeah. comfort comfort right. under those comfortable circumstances if someone was someone them. was just handing me cash I'm like oh would here you, you go would you have the drive you know would you yeah. have the same amount of drive if you hadn't like, gone through that experience or there's those a, experiences there's an argument that, that some people make about this is why the Brazilians usually win the big tournaments <laughs> the big open class tournaments because they're fighting for their survival right because they came from the favela mm. in Brazil they came from the, the slums 
you know, they clawed their way out of the slums. They made their way to the States. They've come so far and like such a, a, a hard journey. Even Galvao, mm. even Galvao came from nothing. Mm. You know, he has a crazy story. Like they, they were, yes. he was poor, yeah. poor. He had to, he would put food on his plate one plate of food and they'd have to cut the plate into segments and share that plate with his brother and sisters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have that perspective, you know, it's a, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a valid argument and it's like, uh, cause it has proof and boxing is the same. A lot of, uh, high level boxers or combat sports in general, but high level boxers, get to that high level and they come from impoverished backgrounds yeah they're fighting for their survival it's because they have that unique perspective right. they've been you know, so impoverished they've been so poor right. they if I don't win drive, I don't eat their drivers at another level but it's not to say necessarily that people from a middle class background or even people from you know a wealthy background yeah can't also make it to the highest level of whatever combat sport they're doing right um it just so happens that that those that impoverished background gives you a very unique type of drive so yeah. most people come from that background as they say hungry dogs fight the hardest yeah right yeah yeah absolutely but um, i mean in my gym i i don't have like in, in new zealand in general we don't have a lot of poverty yeah so i'm dealing with like you know like poor middle class even upper class athletes yeah and we're still at a at a very world class level, so Yeah. I came from a middle class background. I was yeah. very I was very comfortable. <coughs> you yeah. know. But my father was, was a he was a good father and he made me work. He showed yeah. me he you know, it was so funny when I had my first job, um my uh my mom would want to give me a ride to work. She'd mm -hmm. say, I'll take you to work, you know, or I'll pick you up what time you get off, I'll pick you up and my dad would be like, No. Yeah. No, find your find your own way to work. Don't rely on her. You know, and he would like ar they would get in arguments over it. You know, I had a, I had a dad very similar to yours. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I came from middle class, uh, you know, middle income family, but I had to work. I wasn't able to just lounge around the house and do nothing. Right. Walk walk back and forth from school. I yeah, I had a very very similar dad to yours. I I thought he was a jerk at the time, <laughs> but now it's not that big I, a deal. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. He did the right thing for me. You know. <laughs> you got any kids? No, I don't. I'm solo, man. Yeah. No oh. kids, never married. How old are you? 37. 37? Yeah. Got to find the right woman? Yeah. Or you got I, a partner? Uh, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. It's complicated. Um, but I do want kids, you know? I do. And, I, and yeah. it's difficult for me to figure out how I can settle down because I'm always on the move, man. I'm always on the move. I'm out of the country every other month. I'm gone every single weekend. And when I'm home during the week, I train, 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 train. Train, sleep, eat. Train, sleep, eat. I work. I work on my yeah. my writing. I write. You know, I uh, I do a lot of side projects. I do some online coaching. Mm. And you need, then you need someone who understands. So normally that's someone in the industry. So another jujitsu practitioner, or you just need to come across like that kind of what seems nowadays an anomaly, like that partner that just understands. Yeah, and that's the difficult thing to find. Very difficult to yeah. find. Yeah, like, actually, not many combat athletes find it honest which right. is why a lot of them just run around single all the time right the question is like do you want a, 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 a you know is it good for me to have a girl who's in the jiu-jitsu world or is it better to have <laughs> one who's completely removed from jiu-jitsu 
You know, you can make an I can make an argument yeah. for either way. I, I've had yeah. I've had girlfriends who do jujitsu. I've had girlfriends who don't do jujitsu. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I did, it, it's you don't side with one with either. No, or no, I don't think no, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it, sometimes it's nice to have someone who, if someone does jujitsu, they can un- at least understand your passion for it. Yeah, you know, they understand. Maybe they have the same passion, and of course, that's a, a great thing to have mm. to have that that bond with someone. You guys share the same passion. It would but also be refreshing to have someone not involved with right. jujitsu as well. Though, maybe right? someone who has a different passion. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe they really love ping pong or yoga or fucking whatever <laughs> you know um swimming you know yeah. cycling running you know i think it's important to have someone who has a a passion that's equal to yours yeah. maybe it's something else yeah that's a good idea because you know you at least they can relate to you say okay yeah, yeah you love painting yeah. i love jujitsu you can understand my passion for jujitsu because you have the same passion for painting but to be in the same industry together i think can be overwhelming sometimes yeah well um, you're, you're, I mean you're in a position just through being a male that you can essentially procreate make babies for until a long until time. I'm dead yeah. yeah but the woman unfortunately right yeah once you right. hit 40 it's complicated your percentage of the pregnancy you know in terms of being complicating compl- you know right. be being complications of there being complications your percentage gets higher and higher further you get past 40 so right it's kind of a time stamp on woman but right. for men i don't know brother you could you this might <laughs> there's might no, happen, no rush this might happen for you when you're 60 <laughs> how, yeah. how old are you i'm 40 40 and you had your your son two years just, ago no nah, no nah, I, I just got a seven week old so I oh shit one. you yeah. just had another one yeah i got four four boys oh wow and, and how old's how's cara she's for the same age 40 yeah right and all all the kids are healthy oh all came out yeah perfectly healthy good good I for just you wanted, uh, all i wanted was healthy kids yeah um and all boys yeah and that's what you got and i got healthy kids and all boys. all boys nice man I congratulations i didn't know about the new one didn't want to deal with girls brother because last time i last time i saw you or actually i saw you last year but the year before <laughs> that when i first came here for the first time you had just that newborn yeah you know and now so, and now i see him running around yeah I've, yeah it's I've crazy what's it like yeah. being a father Father's been cool. So I, I had so my oldest kid's like twenty. Oh wow! So he's like, an adult. No, nah, he's older than twenty actually. Yeah, I, I had him when know. I was still like basically <laughs> in high school. So I had my I had you know. I'm You've been with Kara since high school. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Wow. Um. Twenty, and now I just had a seven-week-old. So that's, I'm like that's insane. Feet further apart from each other. So. Does he live here in Auckland? No, he lives in Australia with the grandparents, helping okay. them out with their business. Cool. Um, they got a business over there, so a uh, transportation business. But um, yeah, I'm way better prepared to be a father now than I was when I was like 19. Or yeah, yeah, I feel like I would be a good father at this point. Maybe yeah. when, I, when I was younger, oh, probably not so much. I would never recommend anybody being a father. You know, when you're like before 25. <laughs> yeah, before 25. Before yeah. 25, it's difficult, um, especially when I'm. You know, like when I've had the benefit of being a father when I'm, you know, in my 40s. Yeah. Uh, just hit 40. Oh, you're way better prepared yeah. as a human being. Your perspective on life. Is yeah. Like you actually have a perspective on life because you've actually lived one. Yeah. Man, way, so way you, you were running a gym that wasn't making a profit and you were supporting two <laughs> kids. Yep. Right? Man. Yeah. That was the hardest thing. Well done. That's called the grind. 
It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's called the grind. That's the, the grind. real grind. But I gotta. I mean, I always pay respect to all the gym owners and all the fighters before me who went on the same journey as I did but just weren't quite able things didn't quite happen for them to put things in line to have the same success that I'm having now yeah I always think about that do you ever think you're do you ever think of yourself as lucky is that how, is that what you think of it? It's difficult when you think of it. Like I don't want to say I don't I, I don't yeah. the word luck may might try to take something I, away from you. I'm not trying to do that by using that word luck. Yeah, I think. I mean, it is hard work. <laughs> it's hard work and determination, perseverance, of course. But yeah, yeah sometimes the stars align for you. I, I, and I do believe in that. Yeah, I do believe in that. Whether we call that luck or not, I'm not sure because I also believe that. Um. You know, I'm not a real spiritual person, but if you have this one track mindset and you dedicate your life to it, that certain things will gravitate towards you yeah. and help you eventually if you stick to it. So your reward for sticking to it through the hard times is that eventually stuff will start to gravitate towards you through some sort of force or something. Well. Yeah, no. They say they say luck favors those that are prepared, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I definitely there was definitely good fortune there that favored me. I yeah, think. but um, me too. I got lucky. I, I'll say least, it. Like, think about you know your situation or mine. Like, think about all the people that have tried to give a go at being a professional jujitsu fighter right. or a professional uh, MMA coach or gym owner. Right. That um, just weren't able to turn it around like we were. Like. Um, through no fault of their own like a lot of them put us just as much effort if not more than perhaps we did but they just right. something just didn't happen for them maybe the they were just in the wrong location right Right. it could have been anything could right? be anything right it could have been anything you yeah. know i the yeah. story about how i met andre is ridiculous okay. like i moved to indiana to study finance at the university yeah and it just so happened that there was a guy 30 minutes up the road from me who was andre's first american black belt and that uh -huh. guy somehow, I don't know how he heard, but he, some, he heard through the grapevine that I was moving to Indiana. Who was that guy? His name was Tim Sled. Tim Sled, yeah. You know Tim. He was there. He I was had early dealings with Tim Sled. He was like working with the affiliations yeah, 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 for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. And, um, and he just messaged me on Facebook. He said, hey, uh, my name's Tim. I'm a brown belt. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Andre under Alner Galvao. And that we became very good friends. Yeah. And then he brought Andre out for a seminar to Indiana. That's how mm -hmm. I met Andre just by chance that I moved to fucking Indiana. And then I just ran, met this guy who put, who, you know, made me train with him, yeah. convinced me to train with him and then brought Andre out and then me and Andre met and that was it. And then yeah. me and Andre got along immediately. Just instant good friends and, and same mentality, same mindset, yeah. with same love for jujitsu. And, and then Andre asked me to come to San Diego. Yeah. That was it. He, I just figured, man, if I didn't do that, what if I stayed in Arizona? You know, yeah. what if I didn't go to Indiana or I could have gone to any university? I had mm. five universities to choose from. Yeah. I just chose Indiana, the most obscure state in the entire country, I think. Yeah. But these are, that's just what, that's what life's, you can, sometimes if you're lucky enough, you can look back in your life and you can find those pivotal moments. Yeah. I had a moment when I first walked into the first ever kickboxing gym. And uh, <clears throat> I just went through the yellow pages because there was no internet. So you look, and I the yellow pages like got all the businesses listed in it. Yeah, yeah. And I found one that said trainer of ten world champions. 
um, trainer of hundreds of national champions and I went there and I went there and I popped my head around the corner and I saw all these guys training shirtless yelling hitting the bags spitting yeah it was a real it was like underneath a church in an attic uh-huh. and I looked in there and I heard all that noise and I was like fuck I'm not walking into this place <laughs> There's just no a room full of alphas yeah there's no fucking way <laughs> so i kind of like backed out the door uh-huh. without anybody because no one had seen me yet right you're slowly backstepping and then i kind of hightailed it back to my car which was like 50 meters away yeah well when i reached my car a voice i heard a voice and it was like eugene eugene so when i popped my head in a friend of mine who i played rugby with had recognized me, had just been looking at the door at that exact time. Uh-huh. He chased me outside and chased me. He said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, bro, I'm not coming in there. That's crazy. Those people look like they've been in jail for the last <laughs> 15 years or something. They just got out. And then he was like, ah, oh, don't be stupid. Everybody in there is cool. Come and meet the coach. Come and, and then he brought me back to the gym. Yeah. Walked me inside, met the coach. And the next day I started training and then I never stopped training that's crazy since that day and i nearly it was a matter of seconds a matter of seconds if that if he hadn't been looking at the door when i popped my head right. for just a second right he wouldn't have seen me my whole life would be completely different now not just your life eugene but every person in this academy in this gym yeah. they all their lives would be different <coughs> and that's why it's amazing that's to insane look back on moments like that like the one you had yeah where you could have made a choice you didn't yeah. have to go to indiana yeah but somehow you just like fuck. I'm going to Indiana. Somehow right. you decided that. But that that's what life's like, right? I yeah. just froze certain things at you. But yeah, it's cool. It's hey, cool. I often tell a story about how I started jujitsu. It was just I was outside. I was 21 years old. I didn't wasn't doing shit with my life. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I was washing my car on the on the driveway, just scrubbing away, minding my business. And some kid drove past my house. And it was a guy that I wrestled with in high school, but I hadn't seen him in three years. Yeah. He drove past. I, I caught his eyes. He caught me. He stopped. He backed up. He's like, hey, what's up? Haven't seen you in a while. What are you up to? He's like, hey, I'm going to go check out this jiu-jitsu gym tomorrow. You want to come? <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know what jiu-jitsu was. I started yeah. making karate chop motions at him. <laughs> and, uh, and that's how I got started. He took me in. And yeah. then we both signed up. We both took one class. We got hooked, right? Hooked. Um, and then he quit after a month. I never saw him again. Yeah. I never saw him ever again. Shit. I don't even know his name. Wow. I forgot his name. It was, it was yeah. 2003. Yeah. I don't know his name. I don't know where he is. But he took me off this path to nowhere. Yeah. And put me on this jujitsu path. And here I am. Yeah. Talking to you, Coach of the Year, 2019 Coach of the Year. Traveling the world and New Zealand of all training, places. Training with UFC World Champion. Yeah. You know? Like traveling the world just doing what i love like i i'm eternally grateful to this guy yeah it'd but be I, cool to find out who he is and where he I is i just don't know where he is yeah i have no my, idea my friend that saw me is still my friend to this day yeah and <clears throat> he had a wedding and of course i was invited to and i took a wrong turn i was an hour late to his wedding and i thought i missed the wedding i missed the ceremony yeah and i thought to myself this is when i wasn't doing so much public speaking I was like, I thought to myself, I need to make up for the being late. So I said a speech. And in that speech, I told him that story. Because he didn't know. He never heard the story. He just thought it was like, yeah. just, he called me back. He didn't realize how pivotal it was. Right. So, um, yeah, I told that story at his wedding. And, uh, Did he was, cry? 
That was just really cool. Yeah. It was just really cool because he had I no idea. I would have cried. He didn't even like barely remember the moment it happened. Right. But I, for me, it was like a really clear recollection. Right. And, and and it meant so much to me. So it was, it was pretty cool. Take notes, my fr- my, <coughs> my my friends. If you see someone who's thinking about training, you, you should. You, you don't know how much it'll change their life. Right? You don't realize how much you can change their life or impact them. You don't know. Maybe that person's on the verge of suicide. Mm. Maybe that person is ha- is has on the verge of heart disease, mm. heart attack. Maybe they just need exercise. Maybe they just need what, friends. What were you on the verge of? <laughs> uh, well, At 21, what were you on the video? I'll, I'll tell you this, Eugene. I I definitely was partying way too much, yeah. and it was just a few months before that that I had sp- I had to spend the night in jail. Yeah. It was the first time ever that I got arrested and yeah. put it. I got I spent the night in the drunk tank, you know, for fighting in public. You seem like because uh, I was not athletic. Like you seem like you would have been into sports, or you yeah, I was I was then? a great wrestler in okay. high school, yeah. and it was my life. I loved it more yeah. than anything. But the problem is when I got out of high school, I went to a community college that didn't have a wrestling team. Yeah. And then I went and then I got accepted to a really good university that didn't have a wrestling uh-huh. team. So I had no option to walk on. Yeah. But that's about the time that I found I started training jujitsu. So mm-hmm. it was okay that you know, once I started at the university I was already I found Chris's academy and I started training. But yeah, that was my problem. My problem was that I was my identity was wrestling for four years that was my 100% I didn't care about high school at all my grades were shit I just didn't like I did well enough to continue wrestling I thought I could be a professional wrestler of course you yeah. can't at the time it was impossible <laughs> even now I think still it's is, it's yeah. still impossible yeah. you know you can coach wrestling's behind jiu-jitsu yeah it is yeah. it is but I, that's what I told my parents I said I love wrestling so much I just want I only want to wrestle and they literally told me they said Josh like I don't know how you're going to do that you can <laughs> you're going to be able to you have to be an Olympian yeah. or a coach. That's about it. Yeah. You know? So I forgot where I was going with that story. Well, it's just about, <laughs> I asked you, um, you seemed like you were into sports. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. And you, so wrestling was your initial. It's my, ident- my identity. Yeah. I was a wrestler. That's was my number one identity. And yeah. when that, when I lost that, when it was no more, I was fucking lost, man. Mm. I was a lost soul. I didn't know what I was doing with myself. Mm. So I just go to the desert with my friends, party, drink, ride motorcycles, Ugh. cause problems, be an asshole. That's what I was doing. I was I was on the path to nowhere. Man. Cool, but it, yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Cool things to do, but the problem is it doesn't. It has no dead end. It's just a dead end. <laughs> yeah, it, you wake up with a hangover the next day, and you got to go back to work. Mm. You know. Um, so I, I'm I'm just really grateful that I got I was taken off that path because yeah. I was going nowhere, and I got so put when off. you. Man, when you first transitioned over to training with uh, Professor. Yeah, 2013. And what were you? I thought I was. Jiu-jitsu must have been so different. I thought I was good at jiu-jitsu. Yeah. (laughs) I thought I was good. And I was good. You probably didn't think you you sucked per se, but you must have sucked. I'm, I'm the only athlete he ever personally recruited. Yeah. Of his whole team. Yeah. No one. He never recruited an athlete before always yeah. they come to him and he just says yes or no but i was the only person he ever said josh i need you to come to san diego and train with me and he's like i'll make you a world champion he never did that with anyone else yeah and um i'm also the only athlete he ever slapped when i got my black belt because <laughs> you know the old is uh i forgot his name his, his name is antonio something 
but he was famous for slapping people if he thought they were going to be a world champion and he slapped Lyoto Machida uh, yeah. before he became world okay. champion and I guess people would line up to yeah, be slapped yeah, yeah. by this guy so on my black belt promotion day I got smacked in the face because <laughs> he believed I would achieve yeah. a world title yeah. Luck- luckily I did and back then was it Atos? Was it Atos Academy? Or uh, when I started, Atos didn't exist. Nah. No. Yeah that, came, yeah. that came later. So what were you going into? Were you going into like um, TDD's team or like how, how was so it? How I was it structured? Like I was, tra- I trained with Chris Brennan. Yeah. Oh, you mean when I went to like San when Diego? When you went to San Diego, was Atos, Atos was there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you f- when you met Galvao, Atos was in existence. Right. You jumped into No, Atos. no, no. Atos existed. It was oh, a yeah. baby. It was just a little baby team. And it was when I, this was in 2010, I think, when I met, no, no, 11, 2011, because yeah. he just won ADCC. Yeah. So that was 2011. And Autos was started in 2008 in Brazil. Yeah. And I think it made its way to the US in either 2009 or 2010. And then in 2011, yeah. he won ADCC double gold. And that's mm. what kind of rocketed him up into superstardom. Yeah. And he'd already been Black Belt World Champion a few times in the Gi. Um, and then ultimately he won five total mm. world titles in the Gi. And then he has uh, his ADCC accomplishments. Um, so I joined him in, in 2011. And who, who was on the mat then? Oh in yeah. America, not, oh not many big Yeah, moves. the team has completely changed. Yeah. It's completely different. Like when yeah. I started, it was, it was just, it was Galvao. He was the only black belt on the mat. Wow. Well, okay. They, but there was also the Mendoza brothers, and there was also yeah. there were some other guys that started the original like twelve that yeah. started training together. Yeah. Um, but when I arrived in San Diego, they weren't there. They had already left mm-hmm. and started their own academy. Yeah. And most people had. So at Autos, when I got there, Andre was the only black belt. There was an old. Yeah. Uh, we have we have we have a old old man Louis Sensei Louis. We call him. Yeah. He's the the Wiener Schnitzel King of San Diego. <laughs> he owns a chain of Wiener Schnitzels, but he's an yeah. old school grappler. American black belt. He's a oh. Korean. Korean? He's Korean, yeah. Yeah. And he uh he's a judo an old judo guy. He got okay. he got, we have funny stories about him. He got, <laughs> he got he got kicked off the Olympic team in in Korea because he was hurting everyone. Wow. He just he's just mean. He's just a mean fight. He's yeah. an old man now, but but he's on that TRT, you know, so he's like shredded. Yeah. <laughs> but he's mean. But basically Andre was the only guy on the team, the only competitor. And then there was purple belts and one brown belt. And then wow. I joined and I was like the second brown belt. Yeah. That was it. When he won ADCC, he was only training with blue belts and purple belts. Yeah. That's it. He didn't have black belts to train with. Mm. And then the team just kind of evolved. And then um, JT Torres and Keenan came from the East Coast, and they brought over a whole squad of guys. And then, then this big influx of Brazilian guys came from Brazil. So everyone always thinks, like, oh, Atos is a Brazilian team and, or whatever. But to be honest, for a long time, it was, like, oh, it was a Brazilian coach, Andre. Yeah. And all Americans. A lot of Americans. He had yeah. all Americans, you know? Yeah. But yeah, the team we started with, like the original team, it was just, as far as I can remember, it was like Mike Carbolito, um, Michael Lear Jr., uh, Rolando Sampson. That's the guy with the Afro, yeah? Yeah, Carbolito. Is he still competing and stuff? Or nah, he, he, he got a torn ACL. He, he's actually the kids instructor okay. at, in San Diego. Um, yeah. But he tore his ACL uh, one year and then he didn't get it fixed right away he continued to rehab it but it wasn't well enough so then he had surgery then it put him out for another year so he basically had two years out and then he had a hard time coming back into it and he has he's just having recurring problems with it yeah so he can't really train at that intensity anymore so he teaches the kids and and 
you know, he's got a great life. Him and his wife, they've built a, a yeah. great, a great little thing. And he has a, a son now. And, and so that's where his <laughs> focus is, but he's, he's around, he trains. He's a great, great, great instructor. I think one, um, and I, it might be a misconception. I've never been to, um, HQ. Well, uh, we should change that. Yeah. As of yet, but it's probably a misconception, but is there a lot of people like in New Zealand and in our, uh, our gym, it's all hobbyists. Yeah. It's all hobbyists. You can't make any money in jiu-jitsu. You don't make money from competitors. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 100%. The competitors that actually do compete, they're only a small percentage. Right. Is it a similar setup at HQ? Is it hobbyists or is it mostly competitors? So we probably have about 550 students total. Yeah. And about 40 competitors. Yeah. You see, that's a, that's a misconception. Yeah. That perhaps... Yeah, it's a problem for autos. To be honest, it's a problem because people are afraid to come. Everyone. Oh, we were. I mean, when when we were first looking at affiliation and who we should align ourselves with, we were like, man, do we want to align ourselves with these really high level <laughs> black belt competitors? Like, we're just a bunch of hobbyists. Like, and and that was a big factor in our decision. Like, you, yeah. you know, we're like. We maybe we should go for like a more user friendly team that's yeah. more used to training not so such high level athletes and um for another reason we went with Atos luckily it's been it's been great but yeah that was definitely something we thought as well that you guys were just you know just a big 100 jiu-jitsu competitors smashing right. each other on the daily no <laughs> hobbyists at all so. no man it's a very family oriented team yeah. it's super family oriented like <laughs> That's a massive gym too. It is a massive gym. <laughs> and yeah, you'll see the kids team is, is humongous. Yeah, I've been running that for five or six years now. Yeah. And the kids are phenomenal. And and I gotta give a shout out to the kids because some of them listen and they have a big tournament coming up. What today is the February third. Yeah. They're they're big the kids world championship is next weekend. And I'm super yeah. sad that I I don't get to be there. Um I just yeah. normally it's a week later, but they moved it up a week, so oh, I'm gonna really? I'm gonna miss it. And I just wanna give the kids a shout out. And wish them the best of luck. Um, they're they're amazing. But how do you do the kids, brother? I love them. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. I have no problems Especially with them. Especially with not being a father. I think the problem is being That's a father. That's why. I think the problem is being a father. Like I have very little patience for other people's kids. Other people's <laughs> kids. My kids are fine, but other people's kids I have very little patience for. But I definitely man, I steer steer myself away from any kids' classes and stuff. Like I just think it's like the hardest thing ever i've heard a funny thing about a funny analogy about kids they said someone told me they said the the kids are like your 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 ball sack he's yeah. like he's like i like mine but i don't want to see yours <laughs> <laughs> pretty much pretty much <laughs> but i think you have to have kids to 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 have that to feel that analogy right like you don't, you yeah. don't have any maybe that's got something to do with why you're able to teach them so I think well. it's why I like them so much because I don't have kids and yeah. I want kids and and I think uh they give me that that little that they fulfill that little piece that I'm missing in my life and the kids I have are, are amazing they're just great 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 kids they're they're really well behaved um I, I am surprised that they even like me because I yell at them so much yeah and I make them do just the most horrible exercises that I can think of and I scream at them and I tell them to shut up and I like I'm really mean to them, but they like it. <laughs> they like mm -hmm. the discipline, I think. And when I'm gone, they always message me like, hey, where are you? When are you coming back? What are you doing? And I'm like, I thought I thought the other instructors were more fun than I am. So I don't know yeah. why you guys want me back, but I yeah. love them, man. I, I'll take pictures of those kids all day long and post them like I'm so proud of them. Like they're my kids, you know, like Shit. it's a weird yeah. thing. To be honest, it's that kid's team is is the 
problem that I'm having when it comes to the idea of opening my own academy because I mm. don't look forward to the day that I have to say goodbye to them. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, <coughs> I don't want to leave them behind. I feel like I would be abandoning them. Yeah. And that's the, honestly, it's the hardest part. And you obviously see an academy in your future. I think I have to. Yeah. I think it's one of the only ways to sustain. I think it's the way jujitsu yeah. lifestyle into after you finish competition. Into anyway. my yeah. Into my older ages. I think I will yeah. need, I'll need that. Yeah. I mean, I've saved enough. I, I think I've saved enough <coughs> and I've invested well that I could survive off my, my yeah. savings and my investments into my older age. Yeah. But I don't want to survive. You know, yeah, I've did no. that for enough years. I yeah. survived for the previous 10 years. Like yeah. I, I would like to be comfortable in my older age and have a family, a team, like a team that is my family. What, about, what about your reservations? Like leaving your, when I, when I opened this gym, I came from a, a very, you know, pr- the best gym, gym, kickboxing gym in the country from a very renowned coach, world-class coach, one of the only world-class combat coaches, um, we've ever had in New Zealand. Do you want to give him a shout out? Lolo Hey Molly. Hey. Yeah. Trainer of uh, many world champions and trainer of Mark Hunt most recently. All right. Yeah, all sorts of I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but leaving that gym was so... It's tough. It was tough. I yeah. was like, yeah, I, I had to ask him and I had to get his blessing, so to speak. But I, it's tough because I was like, well, I'll just... It's at some point you think you're there, for, you're just gonna stay there forever. Right. Uh, cool. I'm, right. This is this is where I'm comfortable. I love this place. I'm loyal to this place. That's how I feel. I'll be here forever. Yeah. But then when you get this idea that you want to start an academy, you realize that you'll have to leave the place. Right. Which is, I found that very difficult. Also, this is my home. Yeah. It's home. I spent I c- countless hours there, countless yeah. training camps. Like I have so many memories. I used to be the new guy at Autos yeah. and I'm not anymore. Now I'm the, old the I'm the old guard, <laughs> you know? And that's yeah. a weird thing for me to think yeah. about because all the guys that were there before me, they all <laughs> left and opened their academies. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, Keenan. Keenan op- yeah. yeah. Liara Jr. He went to Colorado recently this past yeah. few months. He opened his own academy. Yeah. So I have to sit and think about like, okay, well maybe it's it's my turn, I guess, you know, like maybe I should pull the trigger on this and do it. Yeah. I, I have I have the money, I have everything yeah. lined up. I just need to do it. Yeah. I, th- I mean, it's one of the coolest things when I did it, um I got the blessing of my former trainer. He he was he was like, "Man, I think that's a great idea." And I know Andre will support me when I yeah. do it too. I know he will. It still doesn't take away the fact though, right? But it's hard. Yeah, it's still I hard. like going there every morning. And seeing all my friends and seeing my coach and my professor. My, uh, to this day, I still miss that old gym, which was yeah. under the church. To this day, I, w- I will always have recollections. Where's it at? It's just, it's about 20 minutes from here. Okay. A place called Balmoral Liga. Um, yeah, produced a lot of world-class fighters. And it was, uh, you know, it was the smallest, it was, it was probably the size of this room. Yeah. That we're in just where the pillars are. Yeah, it's about what the original autos look like too. Yeah, yeah about, <coughs> about this big. Yeah, just floorboards, wooden floorboards, really no thrills. But man, I was yeah, I used to. I mean, Ray Seffel came out of there. Jason Suddy, like big names in the kickboxing world. That and yeah, amazing. And I still miss it to this day. So, what's your advice to me, Eugene? What um, do I what do I do? <laughs> 
obviously you can't tell me what to do, but yeah, like, what, 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 what would you advise me? Like at, not looking back, look what you've built, right? Yes. But I tell you, I tell you what, I think the difference between me and you is I think you're doing it at the right time because one thing uh, I haven't really talked about this much, but in hindsight, um, I did it at the peak of my career. Like yeah. in the middle of my career. When you were on top as a w- fighter. When I was still young and coming up through the ranks. Right. And I did it to aid my career. I thought it would help my career. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, I couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, I've heard now I've that. Now that I can that. look back and see how it all panned out, it definitely hindered my career a lot. Yeah. Like I had to... I had to change my priorities big time. I had to change them big time. And then when I look back, well, for me to get to the level where an Israel is or Dan Hooker is, my priority needed to be fighting. And although I didn't realize it at the time, my priority became other things to do with the gym, other stresses. Right. Um, and, and I can look back and see that now. Whereas I think you're, you're, doing it in that at the twilight of your career at the end of your career right and i would definitely recommend that more than what i did yeah i think that might be a key difference you know and i heard that i've heard something similar from another another high class jiu-jitsu guy yeah yeah very similar yeah i definitely um, one of my uh, advice to a lot of fighters and i haven't had many i've had dan who opened up and, and he has his own academy and um <coughs> Dan Hooker. Yeah. He has his own academy. Gym. Oh, cool. And and the thing is, it doesn't mean it won't work because I had my reservations with Dan. And I, in fact, I advised him that I, because of my own experiences, that it's not a good idea. Um, As far as, you know, our hard evidential proof so far, so far, like Dan's number six in the world or whatever, just about to go higher. Yeah. And he has his own academy. Yeah. So and he, a fam- he has a family too, right? Yeah, he was able to work it. He was able to succeed where where I failed. Um, but of course, he he he's a very smart guy, and he. I was starting from being Eugene Berman, the nobody. Like he was able to build a profile and then open a gym. So right. it was a lot different how I opened the gym. Um, but I would hundred percent recommend doing it. And you obviously have the benefit of having a, a, a very good name in the sport yeah and but more importantly because a big name in the sport doesn't mean jack shit because i've seen a lot of big names of open course. gyms in this sport it's more a passion and i can see you've got a passion for it but that will that will take you through a lot further than having a big name in the sport was having so a passion big na- a big name in the sport will help bring people to the gym and right stuff and it'll help um, it'll help when people are vetting you. They'll be like, "Oh, this is Josh Hunger. He's done this, yeah, this yeah. and that." Yeah. But it won't take you through. Uh, you know, it won't keep people at the gym. Yeah. You got to see the passion coming through. You got to have a passion for teaching and sharing and, and mentoring people. That's where you'll be successful. I think. Yeah. Do it, mate. I do enjoy teaching. Where are you going to do it though? That's you can't do it next door to Gov. Okay. Off. This is my next question for you, Eugene. <laughs> where should I go? Because it was difficult. 
it's difficult for me to decide where I want to live for the rest of my life because look at my life right now, Eugene. Yeah. I get to travel the world anywhere I want, whenever I want. Yeah. It's the most, I, I can't be more free. Well, a lot of people. So to, to, and I know when you lock down a gym somewhere, you're married to that place, right? Yeah, but a lot of people, where's your, where are your roots? Like, where did your mom and dad where did you come up? Where did you grow up? They're just right outside of San Diego in Temecula. It's like 45 minutes away. It's where, it's where Dan Henderson is, is located. Ah. Temecula. He put, he put Temecula on the map. So you're saying that it's like a little close? No, I could do it. I could. Yeah. yeah, I could. I don't know that I want to live in Temecula. Yeah. Um, I have some friends that are there that have academies and I would feel, I would feel bad yeah. if I opened up there and, and started you know, yeah. creating, creating a competitive environment. And, I, and I'm very cool. I would be very cool and very respectful. I wouldn't, I can yeah. maintain a friendly relationship with them. I'm not saying it would be bad, but it was not ideal to have a, yeah. a business competing with someone who you, you like. Nah, it's not ideal at all. Yeah. It's not I, ideal at all. I mean, I, I could probably, I would think just to go a little more north up, up towards LA or maybe just north of LA. Up well, you're in a funny situation because what's really dictating you from moving somewhere like for a lot of people it's your partner yeah and your family right and your situation at the moment is complicated it as is. you've said yeah. so maybe that's not tying you to one particular place right really like it seems like the world is your oyster like I believe that's to be true, but yeah, the problem with having too many options is that it's paralyzing. Yeah. And they say this. There was a famous TED talk about it. Yeah. It said having too many options is paralyzing for humans. It's difficult mm -hmm. to choose if you have 20 options, and I have more than 20 options. If you want to consider every major city in the world as a potential spot to open a gym, yeah. I even considered Sydney. Yeah. I considered Sydney. I was like, wow, Sydney's great. I really like Sydney. Like it's, Sydney. Such, it's such a cool place. You like? I mean, I, I would. I would and I'm I'm a realist, so I would re I would recommend New Zealand if you wanted the best lifestyle in the world, but wanted to live poor as shit because <laughs> 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 it's very hard to make money in this country. But it's the best lifestyle. But it's the best lifestyle. So, yeah. uh, you, for in terms of a jiu-jitsu academy, not a good idea. But um, in terms of lifestyle, great idea. But man, like how you could base your decision on so many things. You could look at population density. Yeah. You go to the city with the biggest population density and be like, this is where I'm likely to make the most money. I mean, that would be New but York, do right? do you want to, but then you've also got to think about it's where you want to live right. and grow. And you oh. don't necessarily want to do it in a place where people are living on top of each other. Right. So maybe that comes into into your decision-making process as well. Or I, I think about, I would like to be close to autos. Mm. You know? Um, that's close something close but not too close right? yeah I would like yeah yeah you know a, a yeah. few hours away yeah. like close enough that I can drive in half a day mm. like that that's what I want mm. um, I just need to plug this in so the, the battery doesn't die one second you keep talking yeah I mean yeah, there's so many things that could factor in But yeah, you've got a dis difficult decision. On okay, there you go. Got the computer. <laughs> yeah, it was, the battery was about to die. That <laughs> would be a big problem for us. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know, man. I can't decide where I want to live. I would like to be in California. That way I can see my parents. If I have grandkids, I want to be able to let my parents see my grandkids or, or my kids. Fucking, uh, it's cool to go overseas, though. Yeah, of course it's cool. But the thing is, like, what dictates a lot of people's decision when they move overseas is 
an income source. But with you, if you pick the uh, being that you have to pick the right location, you couldn't move out to the desert. You would have like an immediate income source that would be sustainable almost straight away. I think just because you have a, a a good name in the sport, I think people would flock to come and train with you. So you could have that experience of being overseas without any of the, the setbacks that other people have because yeah. they have to worry about a job and where they're going to get money from and putting down their roots. Right, so right. So that would be cool too. It's a lot to think about. Yeah. It's a lot to think about, Eugene. I don't know what to do. If, if you listeners have any suggestions for me, just feel free to drop, <laughs> the, drop those into my, my, my Instagram. You got, a, you got a date or like you just, no. just playing it by ear? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, f- I feel like maybe 2020... Are you out of competing at uh, the top level competitions? This Not yet. Year, no. You're 2020. You're going to still jump in. I think I'll, I'll finish off this year and then I may make some serious decisions next year. Yeah. But I, but I say that every year. Yeah, true. <laughs> I said yeah. 20. I but the the one number that I stick behind is that I got to do it before I'm 40. Yeah. So that's two years. Yeah. I got to do it before I'm 40. That's 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 the number I I'm standing by. You know? Yeah, fuck that. I said I'd get my 50 fights out by the time I was 40. <laughs> and, and it never happened, so I'm not sure. Uh, what about um, competitions? Do you have any competitions you want to knock off in particular? Particularly since there's all these new ones. Yeah, well, I, I would really just like to lock down a, a big a big win in a gi. You know, I have a lot oh, of big really? wins, no gi. But yeah. I don't really have a lot of big wins in the gi. I, yeah. I, I, win, I can win the Opens. I can win regional tournaments. Or mm. I can win the Open class at some regional Opens. I won, um, you know, Gracie Worlds in the gi. It's like submission only. That was an yeah. interesting one because there's no time limit for the finals. You have Fuck. to, su- you have to submit them. Yeah. Fuck. No, so how long was your match? Uh, Ten minutes. Oh, lucky, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it done. Yeah. Um, but I, w- I think you know, pans or or the worlds in the gi, it would be yeah. cool. Do you think the the competitive gi circuit, especially at your end that you're competing at, has diluted itself a bit because so many people are concentrating on all these other competitions that are coming out so they ordinary they would flock towards the gi but now a lot of the best athletes are like nah we're not going to bother with the, the IBJJF worlds or pans or I think no gi's on the rise ag- yeah. an aggressive rise right now you think that's taken away from people that would be jumping in the gi like they're just like not bothering with that I gi think competition I've noticed that people in general prefer training in a gi hobbyists prefer the yeah. gi because it's it's more of a safety comfort thing where mm. we have a hygienic barrier between our bodies <laughs> you know what I mean no gi's yeah. messy it's yeah. messy it's dirty you're dripping sweat on each other yeah. at least in the gi you're not grabbing the person like yeah. especially for females like maybe they don't want to be grabbed by men that they don't know yeah. especially in the beginning phases mm. you know like if you're a beginner your first week do you really want some strange man grabbing your arm or neck and sitting on you no it's yeah. the gi is a little more easier to deal with in terms of f- physical comfort zone you grab the collar not the neck you're grabbing the sleeve not the wrist never thought of it like that but yeah i think i think for people hobbyists not 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 mm. world-class competitors i think hobbyists prefer training in the gi just because mm. it's it's very technical it's very fun right because you can be very interesting you can you can create very interesting situations in a gi you can be very creative jiu-jitsu like if you i mean it's very hard because we're inside the sport so much yeah but yeah my perspective you, from an outsider is, is uh, gone yeah. i don't even know what it is just try for a second 
put yourself outside of that. Let's yeah. say you don't watch uh, UFC, you don't do any grappling. You've had no, you've had, you haven't had, it hasn't touched your your life in any sort of way. Um, imagine looking at a jujitsu gym or match. Or That's weird, right? And being like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Why is that guy's we balls on the other guy's face? Yeah, we think <laughs> it's so normal, like. And, why? Then and when you think of it like that, then you then you wonder like how why are people attracted yeah. to it? Like how do they get into it when they see that? It must be so weird to see two people tussling like that, and then you have to attract them into the sport. Luckily, the sport has grown enough where it kind of does the job for us. Yeah, people hear things yeah. now and they look it up and they can get all these videos on YouTube. They can kind of build a little bit of a perspective of it but it still must be one of the it's weird things. yeah so like for example the other day i was uh oh, a couple of weeks ago i was showing a friend a jiu-jitsu match online and uh and she doesn't really train very much just a little bit but i was showing her this match with my teammate and i was like oh check this out and the guy on bottom had inverted and the guy on top was trying to get north south position yeah, yeah. and basically was just driving his forehead into the guy's balls get his trips down. and she just started laughing she's like what what is Man. he doing why is he putting his nose in the guy's yeah. crotch you know like it's just and we don't even find that funny we just get that normal right? <laughs> yeah i'm just like, like well obviously he's trying to secure the position what yeah. the fuck are you laughing at it's not even funny like yeah. look he needs to get his hips to the mat yeah uh but for yeah. people on the outside they're like what the fuck is going on there i tell you what like the message is getting around though and obviously around san diego it is because yeah. you guys academies san diego's done well they seem like they're full so yeah somehow people are getting that message of joe rogan does a good job of spreading the word the jujitsu the jujitsu word to the to the world joe rogan does a great job of spreading the word about anything to do with combat sports yeah Some, yeah sometimes to our detriment as well but people people don't un- maybe your podcast will get this much power one I'm day, hoping but, but people don't understand how much influence Joe Rogan has it's massive his podcast is massive and when he s- when he brings to the brings to the fore or brings up a point that is wrong then People don't realize. He, 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 I don't think even he realizes how many people he's in influencing. Uh, he's influencing. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing, especially yeah. to do with. And I'm actually talking not so much about his podcast, and I've only ever watched one, and that's the one with Teddy Atlas on it, boxing training. You didn't even watch Israel's episode. I haven't watched it. <laughs> he's been on there twice. I haven't watched it. I listen to that guy talk enough. But yeah, I've. I've but I'm I'm also talking about his commentary. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, of a course. A lot to do with. Yeah. Like he, he commentates my guys, obviously, and yeah. You know, sometimes I definitely are seeing something completely different to him, completely different to Joe. Yeah. Sometimes I'm seeing something's completely different. Um, but you're a coach. Yeah, I guess I'm not a commentator, and his job is to give a general overview. But then. He's trying to speak to the people who don't know shit. The amount of people he's influencing, though, and he gets it wrong. Yeah. It can be a problem. Yeah, now you've got all these people who are on the cusp of, you know, like, uh, who are on the cusp already. Like, now you've got them espousing something that's completely wrong. It's like, he just has a massive amount of influence, which I think is, like, bordering on dangerous sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) And I think he started the podcast just for fun, right? Yeah, I think he he never had a plan. Like his his yeah. career was comedy, right? He didn't have yeah. a plan to have the 
this podcast to blow up into this movie. He's done so well. Like he's just, he's an empire, right? Yeah, he's I mean, he's he's empire. he's my inspiration. Yeah, like he's, you, oh, really? he's the reason I started yeah. podcasting. Yeah, have you been on his one? No, by any chance? No, no. Yeah, but he did share one of my Instagram posts one time, okay. and I swear to God, my phone almost broke. Yeah, from the 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 feedback. That's After it. That freaking. Um, he he shared my post, gave me a shout out, and gave it's a little. It's like the the style bender effect on steroids. Right? Oh my God! That's, it, what the, that's what you do here, like you know. If, if Israel there, Israel if shares your post, if the boy wants the Instagrams to go up. They have, make sure that Israel features in their video. Yeah. Or they make Israel share the video or something like that. Yeah. I got a pretty cool little clip of training with Israel from yesterday. So yeah. hopefully I can put that yeah. up on the Instagram. Yeah, check it out. Um, and, uh, and man, it's it's great to be to actually to see how generous Israel is with his his attention, and, <coughs> and it's 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 a uh, it's nice, it's refreshing. He's a very yeah. very down to earth guy, very kind, not snobby at all. Yeah, I just think a cool dude. I don't know if you. I don't see him every day. You do. Well, I don't know. You if can you, disagree. I don't know <laughs> if you've been around our country long enough but it's kind of just i think he's a reflection of just how we are i agree yeah all new zealanders are very very laid back very laid back very warm people yeah i agree we're the kind of people that if you if we see someone like who's been on tv or famous sometimes like um you just you don't want to bother them you're like right no he's i've seen completely different side of uh, you know when i've been in america yeah. It's crazy how black and white it is. Like, it's completely different. Right. Here. Everyone like, wants to bother just everyone. Just a different culture, different way they go about things. Nothing wrong with it. Just, yeah. Just way different. But now, like, in the four walls of the gym is where you'll see what the... A real know, person. Who yeah, they, who the they really are. Like. You don't yeah. have to... Like, it's just whatever happens in here stays in here. Is right. Like always a big saying that I have. Right. It's uh, also a, a big principle I, I also have is that um, you kind of leave your baggage at the door. Yep. You kind of leave your baggage. Like I, I understand that a part of dealing with it is for a lot of people is what coming to the gym and letting go of things. Yeah. But your immediate baggage, like you don't bring it in, you don't bring it in. You deal with it, but you just don't bring in all your problems. They stay at the door. Yeah. You come in here, put your head down and your ass up and work. That's why they say training is is meditative. Right. Hundred yeah, percent. Because for when someone's trying to drop bombs on your face or choke you out. You really can't think about what happened earlier that day at work. You can't right. think about it. If you're thinking about it, you're definitely getting choked out. And then you're definitely not going to think about it because you got choked out. <laughs> so yeah. either way, you're going to have to let it go. Yeah. And I mean, and, and all the guys, all these guys do that. Like they, they live and die by some of the rules that I've said in this gym. Um, when, when they're having hard times uh, outside of the gym, always my best advice is just to come in here and, just leave all that outside. Yeah. At least, no matter what your problem is outside, at least for the hour and a half you're training and you've got someone trying to pass your guard or someone trying to punch you in the head, at least for that hour and a half you have some sort of solace. Yeah. Because you definitely ain't worrying about your problem why Brad's on top of you or Israel's on top right. of you trying to punch the shit out of your face. Right. Like, that's the last thing you're worried about is what your girlfriend did the right. other day, right? So, yeah, that's definitely um, <coughs> some advice, but that's just part of the environment yeah. putting down these rules right? I, I think jujitsu is very similar very similar like mm-hmm. you, you you come in just try to focus on the training leave your your, your baggage mm-hmm. outside and, and just focus on jujitsu for a few hours and then get the workout get your endorphins going and then 
yeah. you have a different perspective on it when you walk out of the gym, yeah. right? The, the thing you were stressing out about before the gym, I think it feels different to you when you walk out of the gym. 100%. Right? 100%. And you can, you can tell, you can tell sometimes, like, sometimes it's hard to let it not affect you. Fucking cramping. <laughs> From that MMA training? Yeah, I'm, I'm sw- I sweat a lot, man. I didn't drink a lot of water. I didn't drink water to bring me for the whole session. Oh, yeah? Because I left the water bottle upstairs. And I didn't, it's all good. Got a little hamstring cramp. I thought we might have reignited your passion for MMA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, a little bit. A little, little bit. bit. I think about it. Yeah. I'm too old, though. We got the um, Crohn's uh, black belt, uh, Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. It's cool. Who, he probably doesn't want me to put this right out to the world. That's all right. He hadn't done jack all MMA, but we do, obviously we do a lot of MMA training at this gym. Yeah. And he jumped into some of that. And uh, he's keen. He wants to just He do, wants to do it? He might do an amateur fight. Nice. He wants to give it a go. Cool. So I was like, yeah, yeah. jiu is great. He'll be fine, right? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. We just have to. Get those takedowns going. Yeah, get the takedowns going. Get a little bit of stand-up, a little bit of defense on his feet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not, it's, it's cool. It's, it's a cool experience, I'll tell you that. Getting in that cage and slugging it out with someone, that's a cool experience. Yeah, how'd, Scary. You, feel, how'd you feel after? Oh, uh, on feel top of the world, man. Yeah. yeah, you felt just ignited. Like you're, you're just on fire with, like, just joy. And I mean, I don't know, I mean, I guess I, I've never taken a hard loss. You know, the loss that I had was actually quite, cl- it was a very close match. Yeah. Uh, I think I won the first round and I think he won the second round and I think the third round was really close. Mm. I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm not saying I won. He, I think he won. Um, Did he go on to do anything? Not that I know of. No, not that I know of. He was from Hawaii and I'm not sure that he ever left the island. But um, yeah, I've never felt more alive. I mean, jujitsu gives me a similar feeling to be honest. Jujitsu competitions, I feel feel ignited when I get out there and it's, it's invigorating. Jiu-jitsu is funny. Like when I've done competitive jiu-jitsu, I've not felt anything up until the point the guy grabs you. Yeah. And then you feel his energy and his you yeah. feel his adrenaline and his strength. And then I'm like, holy shit! This guy's trying to break me. This is, feels like a, a a fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm then I'm like, oh shit! Yeah. Let I, me let me ask. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I don't have any of the pre like. When I'm leading up to a fight, like you, you start to get jitters like the right. week before or the you know, like the morning of or the couple of days before you get sort of jitters. But you don't have like jitters. Any of that in jujitsu up until when he kinda grabs you or he grabs your gi and then I'm like, Fuck, these yeah. are, these this is serious. This well, guy wants to destroy me. Yeah, you probably didn't have the jitters because you don't have to worry about getting kicked in the face. Yeah, that's you know what? that's yeah. why. But you but but you still get them. You still get the same jitters but they're just not triggered they're triggered at the point you feel the other guy's energy yeah i mean in mma you can't wait for that like you've got to be on way before that like, yeah 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 but yeah so you kind of got the same feeling not as bad like not as intense but you still that heightened awareness like, yeah oh, yeah shit this is this guy's coming to get me he's trying to break you he's coming he's, to get he's gonna you. try to rip your arm off in like, a different way you still get that that it's a very similar feeling yeah yeah if not the same feeling yeah, and and I think ultimately what you don't want is to suffer some like humiliating defeat in front of all your friends and family and teammates, yeah. right? And that's maybe the true for MMA, and uh, on top of like millions of viewers, jujitsu doesn't have millions of viewers. Maybe yeah. it does. I don't know. Probably not. Um, but nonetheless, you just really are concerned with your friends, your teammates, yeah. your family. Yeah. You know, you don't want someone 
to be sitting on your face and ripping your arm off while everyone's watching. Mm-hmm. That that's the biggest fear is yeah. is not what the strangers think. Yeah. It's what your friends and family yeah, think. That's course. I think at the end of the day, that's really what what yeah. makes people nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, and pain people should never be afraid of what their friends or family think of them because they love you and they're always going to support you even if you lose because everybody loses at some point except yeah. Israel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure he's had a loss. Has he had a loss? Yeah, he's lost in kickboxing. He's, he's never lost in MMA but um, the only people that the only people that don't lose are the people who quit. Are the people who quit? So that's the same as the, I was going to say like the people that don't fight long enough. Right. They don't get, they don't fight uh, to an upper level. Yeah. Or, or they, they do fighting for like three years. Right. And then they're like, I'm okay. I've had six fights. I'm undefeated. Right. And Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> Floyd, that's right. And Floyd. But there's two groups of people that don't fight. The yeah. thing is about fighting is if you fight long enough, you have to lose. You're going to lose. You have to. Eventually you're going to lose because there's so many you're, there's so many things that you are you know we're trying to take care of as many of the different factors as we can we're trying to calculate everything but there is at every point in a fight there's this, uh, you, at a certain point you have to roll the dice yeah it just comes up yeah in every single fight and it, there has to be a certain amount of risk that the other person has to take at a certain point sometimes that doesn't pay off and the more times you go out there and throw those dice, yeah, the more likelihood that, you know, when you take that risk, that it's not going to pay off for you. It's only a matter of time before you lose. And I'm not hoping for Israel to lose, but also I'm fully prepared when it happens. I've I been there before. I know how to build them back up. Yeah, I know I've been with many fighters when they've lost. I will know the steps that we need to take if it does happen. And I know where we had to go immediately. I know how far he'll drop down. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, you, there's not a problem with being prepared. You can be prepared for a loss. Of course. Everyone has yeah. that puncher's chance. Oh. Right? Mate, it that, only takes that one shot. And that stupid sport. And that stupid sport with those gloves on. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But he's had dominant performances since I can remember. You know, the first time I saw him was like, it was a video on YouTube when he did some just crazy ninja roundhouse kick and just, just murdered this guy with it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. And he just, he just, he did some kind of spinning back kick with it, like a little ninja move. And it just, he landed that fucking leg on this guy's face and the guy just Mm. crumbled. And I said, and he stood there like he held the pose, you know, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) You know what, you know what I'm talking about? think so and he's like stood there and held the pose for a minute I, it could have been someone else i don't know but it was I, I couldn't believe it when i saw it i said wow and then he's yeah i mean anyways he's lost he's lost three times in over 100 fights oh my god he's, he's amazing three times um i'm looking forward to watching all him. those losses Only one of those losses he's fully been okay with. Yeah, only one of those losses he's been okay with. Like, like he, like he accepted the loss. Like he's like, oh yeah, I lost. Like I, yeah. I made this mistake, and that's. Yeah. So the other two were more a little more controversial. One of them, I definitely fought the one we fought. Uh, a guy called Simon Marcus, a very um, well-established, world-class kickboxer, and we fought him the first time. 
Sorry, actually, he's lost now. I'm going to say four times now. One of them, um, Jason Wilness, which, uh, man, uh, f- which, you know, for all my money, I thought we won. Everybody in the um, audience thought we won. But then there was a, there was another loss there, um, his his debut in glory. Mm. He fought a, a Belgian fighter named Philippe Verlinden. And he well and truly got beat. And I was so good to see him get well and truly beaten. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, is the acknowledgement from himself that he got well and truly beaten. Yeah. Because we, we'd only had these losses um, that had... They were too close to accept. Yeah, they were to so accept. close. Actually, everybody thought he won. He couldn't accept it. Yeah. And uh, he couldn't accept it. And fair enough. Like, you, if, you, if you think you won, you think the judges did you bad, then you don't have to accept that win. Like, But it was good to see when the shoe was on the other foot. Right. And you were clearly beaten to just admit it and acknowledge that you were beating. If he had after that loss being like oh, I thought I won then I would have been a little bit like whoa. you're delusional yeah, wake up like, whoa, <laughs> we got you gotta get your head right mentali- mentality we got right. a lot you know the, there's something like your ego is out of control like, right, like right. I've got to do a lot for you now but uh, he acknowledged it that's he good he being being an acknowledger yeah. which was for me was really good to see and sometimes that's a big eye opener <laughs> for a competitor right when they take a loss and they, they, it kind of like reignites the fire maybe to, to work harder or, or so fill what, some holes? I'll tell you what, what. What happened with that fight was he just never got out of first gear. Okay. Like he never put put his foot on the accelerator. Right. So he was stuck in, like, to use the, the car analogy, he was stuck in first gear and the other guy was ramping his, his gears up. Right. And when someone does that in a fight, you have to match it. You at have least. to. You have to at least match it or yeah. chop up a couple of gears higher. Right. And he didn't. He stayed in first. So uh, to be, that was his first big international fight, big f- fought for glory, big international organization, first one, and he just never got out of first gear. So we 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 needed to address that. And then we well, we have a little saying, and we say it to this day, and it's kind of corny. And we say it comes from Rocky, and it's called Eye of the Tiger. And... Uh, before every fight since that fight, and there must have been about sixty or seventy, I'll give him a quick look, and I'll be like, if if I, f- especially if I think he's, like in that same mode he was before that fight, like too chilled, yeah, too relaxed, I'll look at him and go, I the tiger, and then he'll look at me and he'll go, don't worry, I the tiger, like an, an acknowledgement that he's not in that place. Again. He's ready to hit the gears. Yeah, yeah. this was from years ago. Yeah, and it still haunts us. Yeah. To this day, that's why we have this little phrase that we're to make sure we're never going back to that one loss that we had. Yeah. We'll just be eye of the tiger, and he'll look at me and go, "Yep, eye of the tiger." Nice. Which means like he he's good, he's good to go. He's not in that same place that he was many years ago. Just it's yeah. It, yeah. If if you're gonna take a loss, take an L yeah. on any <laughs> level at anything, even if it comes, even if you're just trying to talk to girls at the bar, if you take an yeah. L, if you don't learn something from that or remember it. You're destined to repeat it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 100%. You got to learn from history. And, and it's true yeah. for everyone across the world. Politicians, you know, people, mm. relationships, everything. You you have to learn from your past mm. and move forward, keeping the, those past mistakes in mind, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
and here's where just to contrast that story uh, to play devil's advocate to that story sort of we fought one one guy um, Alex Pereira yeah who we lost to who who I thought we won again very yeah. hard fight um, and we thought we won and we had a rematch with that guy about maybe a, a year later and because of that loss we felt Israel felt he needed to be more aggressive needed to be more aggressive to make it more definitive he that fight was going like he was winning that fight in the first and second round easily easily in the third round he got knocked out cold his only ever knockout loss yeah and this is why sometimes you've got to take the right lesson you've got to take you've got to get you've got to decipher and take the right lesson out of the loss because I didn't see it but in his head he had decided to be way more overly aggressive in that third round because of the decision that went against him a year before that yeah he had got into that third round and been like you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let what happened happen last time yeah he got overly aggressive and put himself he, he could have danced around for that round and won the fight he was yeah. so far ahead he got overly aggressive and he got knocked out and so we we had learnt the wrong lesson from yeah. that loss so there's like a you know there's a lesson in that itself right so yeah Losses are terrible. Yeah, that's, but that's interesting. That was a, that was a, that was a good story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, you would have done the same thing, right? You would have. Do in jujitsu, it happens a lot. Oh, like I've, when I've made plenty of mistakes trying to trying to go for things at the last second when I didn't need to, or, or what about, just not being strategic. What about fights? And I always see this in jujitsu when I'm watching jujitsu video. At the end, like this, it's a draw on advantages. It's a draw on points, right. and then one athlete's. Um, hands get raised and the other athletes like what the fuck yeah and they walk around like this like, yeah, yeah 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 is that never that must have happened to you no or that's, you ne that's never that's never happened I've to never me. had anything like no, that no I'm not that guy yeah um because I, I go for it <laughs> yeah but I'll so tell you so you either lose definitively yeah um or you win yeah I, I just go full speed ahead the whole time no matter what in yeah. my jiu-jitsu matches and if I yeah. lose then so be it I lost but I gave yeah. it my all I definitely I never get stuck in first gear oh. um but I will say this, um, I had a match in, in uh, August for an event called Kasai and I fought my old rival, Mateus. Mateus is the one who he beat. Denise? Yeah, he yeah. won the ADCC this year. Stole ah. it Stole it from me. Legitimately yeah. stole it, he won it fair and square. But I've taken, I've stolen two world titles from him also. Shit. And uh, we had this match, he was the Kasai champion and I was the challenger. And it was 0-0 for 10 minutes and I thought I was the aggressor for pretty much the entire 10 minutes. Yeah. We also had a five minute overtime that was, uh, will, we could do if it was zero, zero. Um, and the score was zero, zero, but we, we, you can get a point for attacking submissions, like get really close submission attempts. You yeah. can get one point. Okay. And I thought I'm not, and, and the thing is we, sometimes we get very boring because we've faced each other a few times. We know each other's style very yeah. well. We both want to be on top. It can be boring. We'll be just, yeah. hand fighting for 10 minutes so i did something that i don't ever do which is jump for a flying arm bar 
in the last 30 seconds of the match. And he smelled it pretty early on. He ripped his arm out of it as I was in the air. I jumped, you know, body, head high, you know, five feet up in the air. I lost my grip on him because it was the last few minutes. It was, we were super sweaty. Nike? It was no gi. And I landed right on my neck. Like because he pulled his arm out and yeah. that rotated me farther. Yeah. And I landed straight on my neck from about five feet up high. Yeah. And uh, I, man, I tweaked it really bad. But at the moment, I didn't feel any pain. I get yeah. still a little flash of light, you know. Yeah. But I got very disoriented, and then I started scrambling to find him, and uh, I got confused about the situation, and I made some bad decisions because I was, I basically knocked myself a little stupid, yeah. not unconscious, just stupid. Yeah. And uh, he got behind me, and I. Uh, took my back and finished it. And, uh, I, I think if I had just stayed calm yeah. and finished the last 30 seconds and gone yeah. into overtime, yeah. I'm sure I could have won. I'm sure I would have won yeah. when I stay the course and I do stick to my <laughs> a game. I always win. It's yeah. when I deviate from my a game and I try something stupid yeah. to try to pull the win off. You know, I, I, I deviated from my, my normal path yeah. and I lost, <laughs> you know, very similar story. Yeah. Very yeah. similar story to that's a, to you know Israel. that's me just being I was trying to be overly aggressive when I shouldn't have I should have just mm. maintained I was winning I had side control on him mm. I didn't have any points but yeah. I was controlling the fight I attacked more I was more aggressive and you were probably going to get the win based on being more aggressive probably that's how they did it. assuming that the overtime was similar to the regulation time and then the ref makes a decision yeah and it's normally based on who's been more pushing. aggressive and I was definitely more aggressive in the um, the regulation period but you know anything could have happened in overtime too i'm not saying i would have definitely <coughs> won it i'm not trying to say that i would have taken that from him but i just made a very bad mistake because i was trying to be more aggressive than i was accustomed to do you, did you have a do you have a cornerman i didn't not at that one do you have cornerman and jujitsu you, you kind of do usually yeah, yeah yeah usually you always do they pay a big factor and it like helps having yeah, Galvao in the corner helps a lot Having someone who's good who's at good. cornering. Yeah, Galvao's good. Knows what he can see and sees the match development. Yeah. He'll tell me things that I, I'd never even... I'll hear him say something, and I'm like, what? What? Really? Try that? Okay. Yeah. And it worked. Boom. Yeah. He's giving me advice that I just ne- I never would have thought of in the middle of the match, and I would I'd always do it. Whatever he tells yeah. me to do, I'd do it. And it always works out for me. It's yeah. never... He's never steered me the wrong. That's never. experience. Yeah. That's experience of knowing what you're looking at. In that, e- in that event, I was there by myself. Um, yeah, I had I had a te- one teammate with me, but he wasn't a very good cornerman. In MMA, they always pay for the cornerman to come. Do they do that in jujitsu? Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes they pay you plus one. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Not always. The bigger events, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Eugene, I think we should wrap this up, my yes. man. We're at like a two hours and fifteen minutes. Good chat. Yeah, yeah, it was longer than I expected. I, I thought love, this is mainly my second podcast, but it's cool how they work, how podcasts work. We just like just converse, just talk. Kind of get lost. You just have a conversation. Just go with get, the flow. I, an interview is different. You kind of know it's an interview. Right. This just feels like a chat. We're just so talking, man. It's more natural. With the microphone in front of your face. Thank you. That's and that's what I got from Joe Rogan. You know, it's a conversation, and that's what I and I love his podcast. And I've done podcasts that were yeah. interviews, and I hated it. Nah. I hated doing it. I hated being the interviewee. I like the way Joe Rogan makes it a conversation. <laughs> he shares his opinion. I ask you questions, you ask me questions, and you are a great conversationalist, my friend. This is cool, brother. I hope you, uh, yeah, I hope the podcast takes off. Thank you. I th- I'm sure it will now that I got I your famous ass I on here. So. I, think <laughs> it, 
I think to get it, I think we need Israel on here, which we'll try and arrange. Yeah. At the last minute, we'll try and do hey, that. Hey, I got the rest of the day. It's three o'clock. I got five hours. Whatever he yeah. wants, I'll do it. I want to try and give I'm him a call. Try and hook that up for you. Then thank it you. Will blow up. I'm not a big enough. <laughs> for it to blow up. Thank you I'm, very much, I'm, brother. I'm honored to have you. Is there any shout outs you want to give? You have any sponsors or any any, any uh, anyone you want to? I don't even have any social media, but yeah, to f- anybody that supports my gym, CKB, thank you for your support. Yep. And uh, thank you to Atos HQ. Thank hey. you very much. All right, Eugene. Thank you so much, man. It's my my pleasure and honor. Congratulations on being 2019 MMA Coach of the Year. Thank you, brother. And I uh, hope we can do it again sometime. Sounds cool. So there we go, my friends. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Just one more quick shout out to the sponsors, Line Tax Service. The tax date, the notorious tax date, April 15th, coming up soon. You guys have to file your tax return or an extension by that date. And you would be wise to choose your accountant carefully. If you want to check out Sam the Tax Guy, you can check him out at www.linetax.net. He is not your average accountant, just like not every jiu-jitsu black belt is the same. This man is specializes in personal and business tax strategy, entity management, and consulting to increase your bottom line. Contact him now for a free tax return review. They will review your tax return and let you know if there are any opportunities that you might be missing and any extra cash that you can get from the government who will take your money and spend it frivolously on their golf games. If you tell them that you heard about it from the Matt Burn podcast, you will receive 50% off your initial service. So don't wait till the last minute. Don't use TurboTax. Don't try to file your taxes on your own with no idea what you're doing and yeah check them out and hey you know it's not a bad idea to to support your fellow jiu-jitsu entrepreneurs this is a big one for me guys you've heard me say it a thousand times support your local not even local just support all jiu-jitsu entrepreneurs sam the tax guy is a fellow jiu-jitsu practitioner so help a, help a brother out give him some business he won't let you down and check out uh, Jugo, the newest and baddest jujitsu card game. Created by my man, JT Tenacity, on Instagram. He designed every single playing card on his own, and the art is hilarious. The game is super interesting and super fun. Check that out. And last but not least, Tap Cancer Out. Gotta support the fight against cancer. And tap... Ugh. Tap Cancer Out is coming out with a new BJJ series called BJJ Open for the year 2020. They are setting up 21 tournaments for 2020 and five sub-only showcase events, 17 cities, including seven new locations. Four of these tournaments are going to be two-day tournaments. They're going to have two separate tours, one in the spring, one in the fall. I can't tell you every city that they're going to go to, but you can definitely check them out on Instagram at Tap cancer out support the fight against cancer fuck cancer oh guys also if you get a chance check out the weedify foundation support support our veterans they went over there they did the job that we asked them to do and now they need support some of them not all of them but check them out weedify they're badass and they help make people's lives better and that's important all right that's all i got take care